Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another issue. Episode. Issue or episode? You make the call, Siobhan. What are we going to say? Episode? Issue said. Yeah, issue side. Perfect. <laughs> of Serious Issues, the official King's Comics podcast. My name is Andrew Levins. My name is Siobhan Coombs. And every week we read every single comic, almost. Pretty uh, much. No, not really. It's less and less so. <laughs> week to week. <laughs> uh, we read, a, we read a, 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 a surprisingly large amount of comics every single week. And we let you know which are the good ones, which are the bad ones, the ones you should be reading too, the ones you should be complaining about alongside us on the internet. Every week we kick the episode off with a little segment called First Things First, in which we review all of the brand new series and let you know which of the series that you should be jumping on board on day one with us and the ones that maybe you should not be, according to us. (laughs) Everything we say, it's our opinion. If you you disagree, that's fine. (laughs) Someone recently said on the Facebook, um, we have a Facebook group where people who listen to the show or also people who don't listen to the show and just want to talk about comics come to talk about comics. Um, And someone recently posted, I just realized on episode 50 that I don't read any of the comics that the hosts read and I don't agree with them about any of them and then left the group which was hilarious and very dramatic and I really enjoyed it and if more people could do that that would make my week absolutely <laughs> no please don't do that but also like this is like it's just our opinions guys yeah, it's fine <laughs> uh, our Facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash serious issues podcast or you can just find us at facebook.com slash serious issues podcast come in and discuss comics with us please uh, let's discuss comics with each other Siobhan we're going to yeah. kick off the first things first right now with uh, a discussion of all the new number ones I got five number ones in front of me I think you might have six I might have six yeah um, let's kick off with one that I know was probably your favourite this week as well it was mm. certainly mine Grass Kings is the name of this new number one uh, by Matt Kint a uh, one of our favorite writers, I guess. On, yeah, on absolutely. Serious issues. And uh, art by Tyler Jenkins. Uh, this is uh, a nice little companion book to our favorite number one from last week, uh, Jeff Lemire's Royal City. Mm. Matt Kent and Jeff Lemire have actually worked together numerous times uh, on their own creator, own projects, and also at Valiant. Um, so, you know, they, they are quite kindred spirits when it comes absolutely. to the comic book world. They're great, they're great artists. They're great writers. Are um, they both Canadian? Let's just say yes and, 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 and enjoy the backlash if we're wrong. Um, but uh, this book um, is, uh, yeah, it's normally we've been reviewing a lot of uh, uh, Depth, the uh, Matt Kidd mm-hmm. book that he writes and draws himself. And, of course, Ether, a book that he does with David Rubin, mm-hmm. uh, we really enjoy. So they had high expectations for this one and it absolutely delivered. It's a very personal book um, about a, uh, like a, quite similar to, um, what's the Brian Wood book we really like at the moment that's um, about to be turned into a television show about the guys who live on a... Yep. 
Yeah. Uh, like it's basically starring Julianne Moore, except yeah. like not confirmed yet. But they draw her really like Julianne Moore. What's that one? What's that Dark Horse one, Jim? Jim, the Dark Horse book. What's what? that Dark Horse book by Brian Wood at the moment called? <laughs> Uh, no one knows everybody. Right, I'm gonna Google it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and also by the way, in, in serious issues, um, we we are recording this in the in the back of King's Comics. Uh, if you want to see the front of King's Comics, you absolutely should when you're in Sydney. Please uh, do, guys. Three hundred and ten Pitt Street. Uh, it's a great comic book store, and in the back you have a fountain of knowledge uh, from the staff that we will occasionally yell at. That's yeah, not Siobhan just like yelling to the inner voices in her head. <laughs> I mean, is that Briggsland? Briggsland is there the book we that we're thinking about. Um, and uh, s- similar to that, you have a uh, obviously a gated kind of uh, separate community. What do they call it? A federated state? Is that what it is? Something? I don't really know. It's definitely not called that. But they anyway. are. <laughs> yeah, because that wasn't a word. The thing, no. the noise that you made. <laughs> um, but, but they they live off the grid. They um, don't abide by the laws of the US. They have their own system of government. They have their own police. They have their own. Um, generators to get power. They're very like they're completely self-contained. So, they're not Amish, Jim, but they because um, they have cars and things. But basically, similar. Uh, and uh, there are significantly less Nazis in this book than uh, than there were in Briggsland. So far, so far. Who, who, who could say at this point? Uh, but this looks to be more of a, a mystery. Mm, um, this seems to be like sort of Matt Kint's, um favorite thing of like a uh, sort of classic murder mystery within a interesting um, setting like d- Depth or Department H, which is like a underwater murder mystery. This looks like a off the grid murder mystery. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we have kind of like a little bit of history of, of, of the land in which this, uh, this community is now part of. The, co- mm-hmm. the community is called Grass Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we we see an outsider being ex- escorted out of Grass Kingdom. Um, and they believe that this outsider is working for the uh, the the mayor of the outside, or working for like a sheriff mm-hmm. from uh, from a neighboring town who wants to infiltrate this community. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we kind of we meet a group of brothers that that are kind of quite high up within this community, um, and some of them have different problems to the others. Uh, and then we learn of a, a missing girl. Mm. Um, which appears to be why our outsider was in the community to begin with. Uh, this is a really compelling book, so much more than my description of it. Uh, but it's hard to do a, a book like, you know, pretty much all of Matt Kint's books are quite hard to describe in a way that does a story justice without giving away all of its absolutely incredible moments. And um, this is like, this is, as you said, like a good companion piece to the Jeff Lemire book from last week because it has a similar like um, – incredibly beautiful watercolors um so this has a very sort of dreamlike quality to the whole book while also being quite grounded in reality um i really like it it's another book that feels very special and like uh, you know this is nice that this is coming from boom studios as well that's right um it's also a book just like royal city that ruins the rest of your reading for that week because you just wish all comics were this good yeah you shouldn't have read this at the top of your pile that was a, that was a <laughs> I bad was so decision excited about it <laughs> um, i left it till till close to the end so just like we said royal city is an absolute must get for any listener of this podcast i would uh, elevate grass kings immediately to that status particularly if you were able to track down the um, Fiona Staples variant uh, of this number one. Yeah, that's a beautiful cover. And uh, in general, this is just like incredible, like, nice thick cardboard cover and then um, beautiful paper pages. Uh, and not, it starts, like the, the sort of book kind of starts on the interior front cover almost, um, which is very beautiful. Yeah, it's excellent. Matt Kent got to be one of my favorite writers working at the moment. Yeah. Um, I haven't disliked anything he's done in all, since we started the podcast. So. Absolutely. And yeah. it is something like... Um, that I notice a lot when I've had to read a lot of superhero comics um, or mainstream comics is it's so nice to get a comic without ads in it 
as yes, we do at Image. Always. And um, in this book as well. Boom. Yeah. So lovely. Well, there is an ad. There's an ad for Powerless, a very bad DC show on NBC <laughs> at the moment. Yeah, but it doesn't come midway through the comic. Why so. is it here? It is, it is funny that it just shows up at the end. Like, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> surprise ads. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, Grass Kings gets a nice big uh, four thumbs up from yep. the Serious Issues team. Absolutely. Uh, so, too, does uh, this next book we're going to talk about. This is a book that uh, I had some small expectations for, but Siobhan, you had uh, enormous ones. Well, I didn't have huge expectations. I was excited by the concept, but I sort of all also was like, uh, comics based on like established properties generally aren't that good. Especially when they come from Dynamite, where this book comes from. Absolutely. Um, and also... They have given us a great James Bond book in the last year. True. Um, and also like things that are sort of updated versions of kids' books can sometimes be a little bit weird and cringy and not that, uh, not that good. So we're talking about Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, number one. It's called The Big Lie is the name of this story. Uh, it's by Anthony Del Col and uh, Werther Dieldra, uh, two names I've never heard of before. Me neither. Uh, and um, this is uh, basically a, a modernization of, uh, at, at first, the Hardy Boys. And by mm-hmm. the end, we also see them cross bars with Nancy Drew as well. Mm-hmm. This was awesome. Yeah, this was so good. Like, they're clearly trying to go for a sort of hard-boiled crime. Like, they've said they're very influenced by, like, Darwin Cook's Parker series and that sort of thing. Um, which immediately makes me, like, suspicious because... <laughs> You're not going to make something that's as good as that. But this is a genuinely compelling, really well-written, um, like, classic crime book. With, like and they're still crime. teens. Yeah, yeah, they're still teens, but they're not like... It's not like... They, they feel kind of like normal teens. Like, they're not written in an overly, like, whoa, crazy teens kind of way. Yeah. It's not a way that makes me hate them. I'm reading this, I, I really felt like this is what I want Riverdale to be. Yeah. Because, you know, they're, they're definitely touting that show as being like, you know, Archie comics meets like a, you know, sexy crime story. Yeah. Uh, and this is exactly that. Totally. But, but good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and less sexy, less let's sexy. be honest. Which, is, which is kind of good. Um, yeah, I, um, you know, Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew, I'm going to take a stab. Is that like a 60s British Kind of I don't think they're novel- don't think novels. British. It? I think they're American, aren't they? Who knows? I really don't. I, know. I was more of a. I was more of a famous five kind of person. Really? Well, that's so definitely British. That's definitely British. Um, uh, what about? Um, sin- no, I keep I keep saying the name of like superhero teams. Like I was going to say Secret Six and then Sinister Six. <laughs> no, what was yeah. Ian Blyton's other thing? That yeah, was yeah, it was the, um, so yeah, Secret, the Secret, Secret Seven. Seven. One of them was very a dog, different. and one of them was like original trans icon. Really? <laughs> no, I it was a girl who dressed like a boy right. and wanted to be a boy. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this this book um, like does a really really great job. And again, to do the Archie comparison. Absolutely. When Mark Wade and Fiona Staples um, did those first four issues of Archie, it was this brilliant modernization that was just mm. like just almost effortless. Didn't seem crass at all. And this uh, falls in the same boat. But the 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 you know the murder mystery that they're trying to solve. Is, is quite compelling too. Absolutely. Because it's their fucking dad. Yeah. So the, we, we start this book with both Hardy boys um, in police custody custody because their father, who was a police officer who was then um, disgraced and kicked out of the force, has been found dead and they are suspected as the people who have killed them. It seems a bit harsh to keep like 17-year-old boys in that kind of situation. They are when sexy 17-year-old boys. They are sexy 17-year-old boys. Am I allowed to say that? No, I don't think either <laughs> of us are. Um, and they're, the, the, they're, not, they're not sexy, they're just drawn that way. <laughs> <laughs> the art's so good as well. Um, I really, really enjoy, like every so often they do a sort of close-up panel with this really like, almost, I don't know, I'm trying to think like, oh, uh, I can't think of an artist who I can compare it to, but sort of 
close-up, really like lined, almost dark horse style mm-hmm. portraits, which are really like really incredible. A little really. bit like Eduardo Riso in in parts, yeah, yeah um, but but way more sketchy. I guess the uh, it reminds me a lot of the. Was that Dead Inside book that we're reading at the yes, moment? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so basically we just see the Hardy Boys dealing with the fallout of their dad dying, finding out what happened on the night of the murder. There's a couple of like unanswered things. And then in the end we see them um, that actually they've been following the advice of a unnamed female figure who at the end is revealed to be Nancy Flippin' Drew. With a, a cool actual, leather jacket, yeah, yeah. So that's great. Yeah, yeah but I love that's this. what I mean. Like they don't modernize it, like you know, like you know, Nancy Drew has a bindi, <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, the uh, the no one's on Twitter. The no Hardy one's Boys like, are DJs. Yeah, yeah. they no That's a way better example than yeah, my like, terrible attempts <laughs> at comedy. That no one is on Twitter in this. That, yeah, that's like there's really, no, really there's no like lame version chirper. of Tinder. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, fucking chirper. Yeah. Um, so I really like this. I think it's um, I think it's a really solid beginning, and I'm keen to see where it goes. Awesome. Um, really love this. Good book. Good one, Dynamite. Good one, Nancy Drew. Good one, mm. Hardy Boys. Um, also coming out this week was uh, a somewhat anticipated book for me, uh, Red Lion, um, a new book that came out through Oni Press this week, uh, written by Neil Holman, who is best known for his work on the Archer TV series. Oh, okay. Uh, he was one oh, of the writers on that, um, with art by Clayton McCormack, uh, colors by Kelly Fitzpatrick, and letters by Crank. Crank with an exclamation mark. Do you reckon that's a name or a, or a company? I don't know. Either way, I'm into it. Um, so Fair this is uh, this is a book uh, set in the future um, on Mars. Uh, it's like a military book, mm-hmm. um, but it's also a space book kind mm-hmm. of, and it's also mostly a comedy book. Yeah. Um, just like uh, you know, Archer turned the world of spy agencies into like a uh, you know an office comedy. Mm-hmm. This tries to do the same with a futuristic military complex. Mm. Um, With a cool, again, a cool like murder mystery at like the core of it. Definitely, I I actually really enjoyed the world building and story in this. Yes. I did not think any very a very few of the jokes landed for me. There was a lot of like, oh, I need to poo jokes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> those are the ones that landed for me. <laughs> I did. I did enjoy the comedy willy. I always um, yep. love a good comedy willy. Comedy dicks are good fun. Um, I, I, yeah, I enjoy this because I think they did a really good job of world building without spelling it out. Like there weren't any sort of like the year is blah blah blah, yeah, and exactly. we're on a terraformed Mars or whatever. Like it just kind of the story happened, and you kind of had to keep up. Um, and I thought that that was they did a good job of that. Yeah, me too. The jokes come like it's pretty much one on every panel, and that works yeah. when you have a vo- a very talented voice cast who are able to kind of bounce off each mm. other. I found it a little bit tiresome as I was reading it, um, as I wasn't able to kind of... I didn't have an idea of what these people sounded like in my head. So yeah. they all just, I just kind of read it a, bit, a lot more dry than I'm, I'm sure the author intended. Yeah, and I'm um, sure there were things that would have come across as like a really funny like offhand gag that are given kind of more importance by the fact that they've been included in a comic panel. Like agreed. I did quite enjoy the bit where... This chick's going like, I'll bang whoever I want. I'll bang Scurvy Dan. And she points at a guy and he's pulling a tooth out of his mouth and he's saying, oh my God, the whole thing came out. And I think that like, that still made me laugh, but I think the joke would have landed better if it had been able to be like kind of quicker and yeah, more like throwaway. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you never see that guy again. But um, I, I, liked the, I liked the sort of, I feel like 
these are voices that you don't necessarily hear that often in comics, and I think he did a good job at like differentiating the different voices and having yeah, I like I thought it was good. Yeah, me too. I'm definitely going to keep reading this uh, for the next few issues to see it uh, pick up. Like I said, a massive fan of the story. This um weird again another murder mystery, mm-hmm. uh, but the murder of, a, of of an alien mm-hmm. um, and 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 many members of a community. Uh, yeah, there's a lot going on actually. The, the, the world yeah. is they, they, they really don't give you that much information about the world, so that you're going to be learning a lot each issue. Yeah, and there's some there's good. a sort of like obviously there's this military presence who are fighting against some kind of local local presence, but we don't really know who they are yet. And I think that's quite interesting, and I'm I'm keen to see where that goes. Yeah, Oni Press doing some good stuff at the moment. Absolutely, I think any show. like any new Oni Press number one is something I'm probably going to check out. Definitely, you know? I mean we also check out every single number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, even if I didn't have to, I'd still want to. Which is why I read Man Thing number one. <laughs> Actually, I would have read this anyway. I was, yeah, come I was on. very curious about it because this is the first uh, book that R.L. Stein, creator of the uh, famous Goosebumps teen. Oh, not even tw- tween horror yeah. uh, novels. I, I had a few when I was growing up. Didn't we all? With the uh, like the, the raised bumps over the Goosebumps logo. Yeah, they were good. Fun stuff. I feel like there um, were so many good like ongoing series like that when we were children. Teen Power Inc. by Emily Roder. Yes. Bring that back as a comic. Absolutely. Um, Animorphs. Yep. Uh, Why isn't there an Animorphs comic? Oh, that's I a, mean, other yeah. than like the fact that it was a pretty weird concept to begin with. <laughs> Kiss kids that could... <laughs> Be a be animals morph into animal. Like, what, yeah. what, is, that, is there anything more to it than that? Was there some weird government? Yeah, conspiracy? there was alien like little slug aliens that like went into your ear and like controlled you, and that's what they were fighting against or something. Right. It was like government aliens or something. I'd read that for sure. Uh, man thing number <laughs> one is. Uh, I mean, are you a man thing fan? Look, I know nothing about man thing, which is probably why I enjoyed this. I know I, I like him because he's such a mysterious figure. When he shows up in a Marvel book, he's this. You know, I love the character yeah, design yeah, yeah. of him. He's like you know, obviously comparisons to Swamp Thing. They were, mm-hmm. they were created around the same time. They were created they, like the, the 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 superheroes themselves were created within the comics in, in a similar like you know uh, experiment gone wrong that landed in a swamp and then mm-hmm. a man gets created from the monk, muck of the swamp. Uh, man thing is uh, a lot less communicative than uh, than Swamp Thing mm-hmm. in the comics, and he's more of like a horror, just like straight up kind of horror figure. Yeah, um, who who you know who's has who. With the mere touch can dissolve your skin, kind of stuff like that. Uh, he's a big spooky dude, but so I was like, oh cool, R.L. Stein is going to do like this, like kind of light-hearted teen horror version of of Man Thing. But instead, we get like this, like super goofy. Um, I can tell you liked this element of it, but like, I, we, we, basically, Man Thing is an actor, yeah, <laughs> uh, like who is struggling to get work and gets laid off, and is working in the like you know in 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 Hollywood and and this is like Man Thing after he's already become Man Thing. This isn't yeah, yeah, like yeah. the guy who turns into Man Thing trying to make it as an actor. This is a guy being like, "Look, I'm a Man Thing. Let's see if there's any roles for me in Hollywood." Hilarious. Uh, and so yeah, it's like it's absolutely played for laughs the entire way through. Um, yeah, we see like a small amount of uh, his origin story within mm-hmm. this book, um, and at the end he comes. Face- I don't think this is really a spoiler. At the end he comes face to face with. Um, I guess like the traditional idea of what we think man thing is this yeah. like a, you know guy who can't talk who just wants to eat people yeah um, I know I wasn't crazy about this maybe just because it caught me off guard it was not what I was expecting at all yeah it wasn't what I was expecting either but I sort of enjoyed it for like it had a kind of almost silver age goofiness about it like the fact that it was um, there was a bit of first person narration and it was like it was very very silly yeah 
I quite enjoyed that. Um, I much more enjoyed this Ooh, the, really funny backup. Yeah, the backup um, was good. Classic, like, cautionary tale. From uh, R.L. Stein's Chamber of Chills. Great. Which is, I would read a book called Chamber of Chills for sure. Absolutely. Um, this is a, a story called Put a Ring on It. And it's about a guy who seduces a girl who has this magical ring mm-hmm. that makes her take the form of whatever she wants. So she basically holds on to her beauty forever. And she becomes hot and rich. And, uh, which sounds like a sick ring. They but go, she had to earn the ring by being right. homeless for ages. Um, and uh, so he tries to kill her, um, or does kill her, I guess, mm. um, to steal the ring. And um, then there's only four pages, so I don't feel bad ruining it. No. <laughs> but um, when he, he, like, he, he spends the night dreaming of putting the ring on. And then when he wakes up, his fingers are missing. But he's an—he's also a famous pianist. So he wakes up and he has no fingers. So A, he can't put the ring on. And B, his career is over. That'll teach you to kill people to get a magic ring, you idiot. Yeah. Lesson learned, everybody. This is art by Daniel Johnson, who I have never heard of, unless it's the silver chair. That's Daniel Johns. Daniel uh-huh. Johnston is, a, is like a guy on Sub Pop who makes like weird... Uh, like kind of piano pop stuff. Oh, I have no idea. Who I don't think either of them do this. Anyway, this is <laughs> good art. art. Love the art on this, definitely. Very cool. Um, so yeah, look, an interesting, interesting package. I'll probably give it a, a few more issues, especially if there's more like really fun backups like this. Totally, I'm gonna give it another issue. I um, enjoyed that. But uh, yeah, and also kudos. Finally, I mean, not really kudos. Like as you should do, Marvel. Thank you for not making this 4.99 for a new number one. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, the last number one I read was called Sky Doll. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, the latest in a uh, franchise that's apparently long running that I've never heard of. It's very European. Um, it's by um, two creators that I'm sure no one except Siobhan knows. Um, what are their names? Couldn't Alessandro Bab- Babucci and Barbara Canepa. Nailed it. That was perfect. Uh, so this is a story about... Well, okay. It, it gives you a really, really nice introduction to the world in this first this first uh, issue, um, even mm-hmm. though it's clearly like the, is it the end of this? Sudra is the, is the, they're on this planet Sudra. And like, there's this weird elf, beautiful elf girl who I guess is Sky Doll. Mm-hmm. And um, she goes around town to town and like revives dead pets. She's like resurrection with her resurrection powers. Mm-hmm. Um, and in doing so, they give her like gifts of, of fruit and vegetables, which she then takes back to a bunch of other elves who are like isolated from their home planet and, and have to be, in secret for some reason. Yeah. But then there's always other stuff going on and I was immediately lost and I guess I have to read more of this series. Yeah. This is to volume... understand it more. Basically, this is volume four of yep. um, the Skydoll series. Volumes one to three have been um, adapted and... Not adapted, but like um, put in... What's the word? Made into English. Mm. Translated um, by Marvel Comics. Um, but this is the first time that we've seen this volume. I haven't actually read the rest of the Skydoll comics, but I really love this. It's such beautiful art. It's a very like... It's very sort of classically Euro, like sort of um, Do you reckon this pretty sexy. Oh, I was like, going to say, is she over 17? I mean, who could say? <laughs> she doesn't look it. <laughs> potentially <But> sexy. <laughs> potentially sexy. Um, sort of almost like fantasy religion comics, like with a bit of social commentary. Yep. I think it's really interesting. And I'm keen to go back and um, reread the other Sky Dolls. Unbelievable colors. Very like pastels the whole way through. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was, it was a like a, a, a really fun read, but I had no idea what was going on for the for like the middle third of it. Yeah, absolutely. All these all these new characters suddenly get introduced, and there's rats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that was confusing, but <laughs> it was good. I still like as someone who hasn't read any of the Skydoll comics, I um I enjoyed that. And this is out through Titan, uh, Titan, who definitely win an award uh, for always putting out the most like you know the, the glossiest paper, thick, mm. like nice thick covers. 
you got to give them props. Like when, when they, if this came out on Marvel in the past, it was considerably less good quality than this. I'm yeah. sure. Uh, well, maybe yeah, not. Maybe. I don't know. I'll go on a limb and say maybe. Uh, they're all the number ones I read, but Siobhan read one more. Oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> because I hate myself. I read, um, like, lud- like, ludicrously because I've never seen the TV series. So I think if you have seen the TV series, you will automatically have a leg up on me for this one. But I read Charmed number one. So last week when we went through what was coming out this week, yeah. you went, ooh, Charmed. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, who knows what's going on in my brain? Um, yeah, I've never seen the TV series. It never really appealed to me, especially because like if you were a witch and the most that you can like, the coolest thing that you can do is own a nightclub. I think that's a shit <laughs> use of powers. Um, this uh, comic- all I remember of the TV series is that it had the Smiths as the theme song, like the time is now. Oh. Or whatever that song is called. Wow. I can't believe Morrissey le- allowed that. That doesn't seem he like was, the sort of was, thing he, that he would be he into. He said you had me at witches own nightclub. <laughs> Um, this comic made like no sense to me from a perspective of a new reader. It was like, there was so much exposition and so much like, I can imagine that if this was a script and if this was acted out by the performers, it would have been better, but it doesn't, it's really poor as a comic and the art isn't very like the art is serviceable, but nothing more. They do a pretty good, um, likeness of all of the actors. Alison, Alison. No, um, she was super famous. Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano. That's yeah, the yeah, one. yeah, yeah. There's Alyssa, like Alyssa Milano, and oh, definitely over seventeen. Sexy. Yeah, they definitely. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she's like forty now. She keeps hot. Um. Oh uh, yeah, God. If you like Charmed, maybe read this. If you don't, really don't. It's I got mean, nothing for if you. If you don't like Charmed, there's no way anyone except you bought this. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Look, I just gave it a go. I thought I'd give it a try. I don't know why. It's not for me. Moving on. So those are our number ones this week. That is First Things First. Which new series are you going to pick up? Uh, let us know. Serious issues at kingscomics.com. He said as he furiously made <laughs> small talk while looking for a coin so that he could play the most famous and most beloved segment of Serious Issues, flip a coin for Marvel or DC. Every week, we flip a coin to see whether we will review DC <laughs> or Marvel first. It's a riveting time. Uh, Siobhan, what is Heads? Heads is Marvel. Okay, and it's a 50-cent piece we're playing with right now. Amazing. So I'm flip it right now um, from uh, 1978. And Tails, so DC, DC first. Great. Um, DC, I'm going to go out. Would this be interesting to anyone if we said who won each week, or is that just like <laughs> competitive bullshit that we shouldn't buy into? I feel like that's competitive bullshit that we shouldn't buy into, but okay. I also think Marvel wins this week. <laughs> oh, really? I just think it was a bit of a um, – like I think that – Oh, there was some good stuff through DC. I'm sorry. Let's get through it. I don't it. know. Let's, ha- let's talk about it. Uh, let's talk about the big three. Absolutely. Action Comics, Wonder Woman, and Batman. So Superman in Action Comics, Batman in Detective Comics, and Wonder Woman. In Wonder Woman. Um, I thought they were all really good. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful. Uh, that good. Um, <laughs> let's talk about Action Comics first because it had... Um, this has been the biggest mystery in the Rebirth DC-verse. I mean, aside, aside from all the all the Watchmen bullshit. Yeah, but that's not even like no one cares about that. <laughs> except except if you except do for care almost about that. Everyone. Sorry, guys. Just fine. Um, um, but like the real mystery is who is Clark Kent? Why is there this Clark Kent walking around who has all of the memories of Clark Kent, but none of the memories of Superman? So if you haven't read this yet, we are going to like, we're going to try we and have, gloss it. We, we can't. We, we, we can't we not talk about it. this without spoiling. So if you so haven't, skip listen- forward to ninety. I'll, I'll mark it. Yeah, I'll mark it in the show notes. Just skip forward to whatever time I say we stop talking about it, and we yep. will stop talking about it. But 
But if not, I'm gathering a lot of you listen, re, um, have read it or just don't care. Yeah. Uh, Action Comics number 975 so finally solved the riddle of who this fake Clark Kent has been. Because mm-hmm. uh, obviously we have a, a, the, the, the Clark Kent of the New 52 universe and Superman died. Uh, just before Rebirth, and um, we have the Superman from the universe before New 52 now in this universe. Um, but this whole time there has been this Clark Kent who doesn't have the powers of Superman, but is just like taking the role of Clark Kent. So he's just an intrepid reporter. That's right. Um, and uh, he's been kind of more and more nosy into the lives of Lois Lane and uh, and, and Superman. Uh, and at the beginning of this Superman Reborn um kind of mini-series that they're doing across action and Superman, uh, we saw him show up and kind of steal uh, Superman and Lois's son, John. Uh, then we kind of were like, okay, they're, they're finally going to reveal who this guy is. Who is it going to be? Is it Martian Manhunter? Is it... Um, Bizarro. Is it, is it yeah, the Eradicator? Brainiac. Exactly. There are all these different different options of who it could be. And uh, in this uh, issue, which is written really well by Dan Jurgens, With beautiful art by Doug Mankey. I love Doug Mankey. I was gonna, yeah. I've, I was like... I was just so on board with everything yeah. he did in this. And it's a real showcase because as our uh, fake Clark Kent reveals himself to be who he is, uh, he kind of goes through all the options of people that he could possibly be. Mm. And so Doug Mankey gets to draw these fantastic uh, kind of He draws a great brainiac. Of, uh, of all of Superman's greatest foes, a lot of who we haven't seen in a couple of years in DC yeah. Comics. So we have like he kind of cycles through Lex Luthor, Bizarro, Brainiac, um, Mongol, Mongol, yep. Uh, Parasite. Uh, who else is in there? Darkseid, um, Cyborg, Superman, and then finally it's revealed to be Mister. How are you going? How do you pronounce his name? I say Mister Pitlick. I say Mister Spitlick. So yeah, there you because go. of the yours um, is gross. Well, that's how they, how I know him from the the animated ah, Superman right, TV show, okay. that's which is voiced accurate. by Gilbert Gottfried. Yes, which so is perfect. why I like Mister Spitlick so much. And it actually said like when he pronounced his name, it was like. Um, Mr. And then it had like a, him spitting and then licking. So <laughs> Mr. Spitlick, yeah. Uh, really well done. That, that's the iteration of the character, both in the show and in the comics, based on the animated TV show that mm-hmm. Mark Millar wrote. He was used so well in it that I always have so much love for the character. Yeah. I know a lot of people that are kind of, you know, if you've only been reading uh, Superman since the New Year 2 started, you'd be like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, what is this, like, goofy dude in a little purple hat? What is going on? And I was a little bit like, because I'm a, I haven't really been reading action. And so when the reveal came out, I just, like, spoiled it for myself because I was like, no, didn't really care. And I was like, that sucks a little bit. Like, I, right. I think he's a great character, but he's often used really poorly in the comics. Um but this was so perfect. They did such a brilliant job in this issue. The reveal was really, really well done. It has that perfect combination of like, he's goofy, but he's a genuine sinister threat. And in this, he is really sinister because he feels hurt by Superman. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really clever and really well done. Uh, I was uh, spending, as I do every week, way too much time dis- discussing comics in the uh, official Serious Issues <laughs> Facebook group chat, which exists as well. You can join that by joining our Facebook group first, then asking to join the group chat. Uh, basically talking about how, like, you know, because a, a, lot, a lot of younger readers... Well, like this, what is this weird wizardy guy from another dimension who shows up every three months to play games with Superman mm. until Superman can convince him to say his name backwards, and then he goes, returns to his uh, to his home dimension. Uh, it sounds goofy. It is goofy. Um, and kind of there was this decision. Like a lot of them agreed that like you can't really modernize a character like this. But I thought 
I thought it was cool that they didn't actually try to modernize. Yeah, they didn't absolutely. try to make this like a grittier version of of uh, Mitzel Spitlick. They just that made him, sucked. <laughs> they just made what he did a more kind of a bigger threat, a more kind of yeah. something more in line with what Superman faces now. And so what he's done is uh, made everybody except Superman forget the existence of John Kent, his son, which is horrible. Yeah, it's really scary. But it's, it's really still, horrifying. It's still so playful and fits the character so well. Yeah, and um, as we see, there's a um, – because obviously, as you can tell by the numbering, this is issue 975, so it's a massive, huge-size anniversary issue. And we get a backup story written by Paul Dinney with – art by someone who I forget. Um, um, great art by uh, Ian Churchill. Right, um, yeah, perfect. I love this. Yeah, this was so fun. So this, we see where where Mr. Spitlick, Mr. Spitlick, um, <laughs> is keeping John and we get to see like he's he's setting up this like impossible challenge for John Mitzel in a way Shimbo. that's really, <laughs> in a way that's really like still, still playful but has that really like sinister he's never going to let John go element. And we see how he, he is also involved in this like Mr. Oz yeah. conspiracy. And when we saw that someone had escaped in a, I can't remember what issue that was in, but when um, Tim Drake was like, look, someone escaped, they got out. It was Mr. Spitzik. Was, was that a detective, Spitzik. I think maybe? Yeah. No, no, no. I don't know. May have also been in Superman. Um, yeah, this was this was just great. Like this, this little backup was was I mean, obviously Paul Dini has such a great grasp of all of the uh, kind of more classic characters, and yeah. he's able to tie the line between Silver Age funny stuff and 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 you know modern modern age grit. Uh, and uh, he, he does this great thing of that this multi dimensional kind of idea of this character that uh, you know you see like a Lego version of him, and you see the animated series version of him, the bizarre version of him, mm. like. I, I just I thought this was such a great backup and overall a really very very good issue that yeah. celebrated one like all of the weird and wacky sides of Superman. Absolutely, and I think that's one of like I think he's such a good villain for Superman because he is that kind of interdimensional imp and his powers are so ill defined. It's not just like a thing that Superman has to punch until it goes away. It's a much more compelling villain for it, and I hope that like because I think this was really rewarding for older fans um, who maybe have more of a knowledge of like the Silver Agey kind of stuff. But I really hope that this was a fun thing for new readers who maybe haven't heard of this character before and can maybe embrace this slightly goofier side definitely of, yeah, yeah. Um, of soups and i think that's this is what sets rebirth so much further apart than new 52 imagine then, the new 52 version of mr mitzpitlick yeah he'd be like like just like a just a black cloth with eyes yeah <laughs> <laughs> with blood dripping out of his yeah teeth. um but uh yeah i just I, I i really really love that they just went full-on goofy superman stuff yep um, if you want to know more about this character and why we like him, watch the animated Superman stuff and uh, read the uh, Mark Millar run of um, yeah. The Adventures of Superman. It's one of my favorite runs ever. It's probably the best comics that Mark Millar's ever written. Yeah, I'd probably say so. They're just like, they're devoid of anything potentially, you know, shocking or edgy. Yes, like- shocking lack of rape for a Mark <laughs> Millar comic. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I'm really, really happy with this reveal. Yeah, and, uh, and and I didn't see it coming a mile away. So I I was convinced it was going to be Martian Manhunter, especially when he opened up the um, fridge and it was full of junk food. I was like, yeah. oh, they're going to find like Oreos in there or whatever. No, what are they called in uh, the DC? Chocos, or Chocos, something. yeah, something yeah, like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, we still don't know where Martian Manhunter is. In yeah, this bring back John Johns. He's, Come on, guys. He's one of my favorite DC characters of he's, all time. He's like, such a good character. It's not it's not the Justice League without him, guys. Yeah, and I'm not saying. <laughs> I feel like, that very strongly. I'm not saying get rid of Cyborg and put Martian Manhunter no, in his place. Just hell. I'm saying get rid of Batman and put Martian <laughs> Manhunter in his place. Kill Batman, replace no. him with Martian Manhunter in all of his titles. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, so speaking of um, Batman, 
Uh, Detective Comics number 952 continued the League of Shadows plotline, and it is revealed that the mother of Cassandra Cain, um, known in this iteration of the universe as the as Orphan, um, her mother is Shiva. Lady Shiva. Lady Shiva. Did she start out as a Nightwing villain, or has she always been a bat- direct Batman villain? I thought she was always a Batman villain, but cool. I, I could be totally wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, this is like a kind of this cool thing where it's like Batman's team versus Lady Shiva's um, League of Shadows, and then we also have the League of Assassins with Rachel Ghoul kind mm. of in the mix as well. Um, this is just a masterfully done bat book. We always give it credit when it does. Like it has down moments where it's you know just kind of setting up all of its pieces for the, for its next tale, um, yep. and it really does try to work with villains that aren't overrepresented in in the Batman Absolutely. books. Um, I think it does such a good job. Um, and now now you've got Batwing, Azrael, and um, now it looks like they're going to start using Duke. Um, mm-hmm. in the mix as well. Um, this is just a really great team-up book between all some of the better characters in the Bat world. And, um, and it's great because, like, this is a, this is a genuine, like, this is a good-sized threat for this team, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's it seems like an insurmountable foe, but it's not, like, this huge intergalactic thing. Like, it's not it's not the whole world that's at stake. It's just Gotham. Exactly. And that's, that's, this, this is successful because it's just a book about Gotham and the people in it. Absolutely. The good, the bad. The and happy it's good. And a sad. <laughs> Mostly sad, let's be honest. Um, but it's great character development also for Cassandra Kane. Yes. Who will probably have to change her name to No Longer an Orphan. Oh, wow. That's that's a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> Hard for someone who really doesn't speak much English as well. Oh, you'll pay for this No Longer an Orphan. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just think, like, this book, you know, when, when we when it started, we were like, you know, it's a pretty big team. I, mm. like, I, I look forward to them exploring more of each of these characters and they to- he totally has. Yeah, they use they use everyone really well in every issue. We see a nice little Renee Montoya cameo as yes, well, which more was cool of her. as hell. Have her join the team, please. Yeah, have her and Kate make out. Sure. Do that too. Um but yeah, I like this. They're good. over seventeen. It's sexy. Yeah. Um <laughs> James Tinian Fourth, of course, uh, doing masterful writing on this one and great art by Christian Deuce as well. Perfect. Um, great issue. The final uh um corner of the trinity mm-hmm. is uh wonder woman and uh we heard it's got issue 18 of wonder woman this week written by greg rucker and i want to give a massive shout out we haven't we didn't really i think we said we quite liked it last time she did a um did art on this but this is um now Bill- that nicholas got has moved on from the book to mm-hmm. uh, go back to black magic which is very exciting returning Woo. very soon I think <laughs> well, this they, month, keep, right? they keep pushing it back greg rucker on twitter keeps being like black magic coming back april and then the next time it's like crossed out april May and now I think it's June. <laughs> um, whatever they're, they're, they're working on it, so it's quite as good a quality as it deserves to be. Um, but in uh, Nicholas Scott's pace, we have um, Bill Chris Everly, and she's so good. She's so good. Like this guys. is one of the, this is one of the best books that I like. You know, art wise that I read this week. I Absolutely. It, it it kind of you know you have the a lot of the um, the stuff that we saw Nicholas Scott working on kind of used as a guide and mm-hmm. um. But it's it's definitely her own thing. Yeah, I, I, it definitely like it keeps the kind of, and I think maybe it has um, like the colors are really beautiful by Romolo Fayado Jr. Yeah, definitely reminiscent of um, Jordi Belair's colors. Absolutely, and yeah. really reminiscent of like the kind of um, the vibe of Nicola's work mm-hmm. on the book as well. So it keeps the consistency through that, but also is very much her own. She puts her own stamp on the book, and I love it. I think it's really beautiful. I think that they are, like, this is so compelling. Um, we're getting really well-fleshed-out, compelling bad guys, as well as um, oh, just that really horror. Was it, was it this issue when we see what happened to Barbara Ann, or was that? Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. God, so this is just 
crushing, like so crushing. So both, both, you know, we're getting these year one or it's obviously like year two of Wonder Woman at the moment. Yeah. Um, uh, like early, early Wonder Woman stories in the even issues and current day um, Wonder Woman stories in the odd issues. And they are both centered around um, Cheetah or Barbara and mm-hmm. Minerva. And um, it's, you know, it's a really tragic story. It's yeah. you know so reliant on her being like seemingly deceived by, mm-hmm. by Wonder Woman. And we see why she grows up to have so much contempt for, mm. for Wonder Woman. Uh, because of the actions of some of the characters in this book, who are, like aren't actually bad guys. I mean, there are some t- two very obvious bad guys, but uh, the, there are, there are two other characters who are unfortunately put into a position in which mm-hmm. they have to betray Wonder Woman. Yep. Um, and there's a real spooky thing about a girl who loses her face. Yeah, very spooky. Very that's spooky. a that's a hard thing to lose. Yeah. How um, would you breathe? How's she breathing, guys? How she doesn't. How she do anything? Yeah. That's a good how point. would she host a weekly podcast about comic books? <laughs> Never um, but yeah, the panels where. Diana arrives in the jungle and finds the sort of signal watch that she'd given to Barbara Ann and we see Barbara Ann's voice come out from the sort of darkness first. It's just like that really got me. Like that really I think that was a beautiful moment. Uh, they've really done such great work for Cheetah as a, yeah. as a as a like a complex character now instead of just like she's what if Catwoman was an actual cat? <laughs> <laughs> now she's heaps more compelling than Definitely. that. Definitely. Um, so those are the, that was my favorite DC books for the week. Yeah. Um, a few of the other books, I mean, you, you were talking off air and, um, Siobhan mentioned that it felt like a fill in kind of week for DC. Uh, but there were some, there were some good, I, yeah, I, 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 I didn't really dislike anything this week. I really enjoyed yeah. Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps by, um, Robert uh, Vendetti and, um, Rafa Sandoval. Um, this week was, uh, really fun because it was just like last week we said, the 10% of the book that was just Guy Gardner fighting mm. with his shirt off was like the best part of the book. And they really listened to us. And they, So this is like 75% Guy Gardner having a fist fight with some big yellow lantern and flashing back to his dad beating him up as a kid. And uh, it was great. Great Guy Gardner stuff. We are very biased. We are huge Guy Gardner fans over here at the podcast. He's the best Green Lantern. And we wish him the best for his uh, seemingly... He's, I mean, he's definitely not dead at the end he's of this. He's definitely but he might not dead. Imagine if that's how he died. <laughs> That's an awesome way to that die. That would be a great. That would be a really good end for him as well. Really like in character. Um. So while that's happening, a bunch of bullshit color stuff is happening with other the other colored lanterns. No Who one cares? cares. Honestly, just give me a book, either space police stuff or Guy Gardner just getting into fights. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. This was really good, and also like heartbreaking. You get a little bit of like Guy Gardner's sort of childhood thrown in there. That was pretty like sad and yeah. gives a bit of nuance to a fairly like one note angry character a lot of the time um but yeah very very good Enjoyed um, that a lot. i actually quite like flash this week as well flash number 18 um by uh josh williamson with um art by jesus marino um <laughs> this kind of did a lot of great work kind of building on the character of kid flash who's been a part of this series um and, yeah who uh, i would like to see more of really yeah and you know we know his father is reverse flash and um we learned that his father has been moved from the um uh the local jail to Belle Reeve, which is where Amanda Waller and Suicide Squad are. Mm-hmm. So um, Flash and Kid Flash break into Belle Reeve and then they go to Australia to talk to Captain Boomerang after that, which is very funny. That was funny. I'm just trying to like, because the most fun thing about Captain Boomerang as an Australian is always finding what like weird, terrible, non-used Australian slang they're going um, yeah, exactly. to put in. I'm just, I don't think there was anything actually that nuts this week. When, when is Captain Boomerang going to say something realistic like, I'm fucking cooked, you grunt? 
<laughs> When's he going to be like, you know what? You know what, Flash? You really are a bit of a mad cunt. <laughs> um, that's the Captain Boomerang we deserve, but this one will do. Uh, it's real wacky. They're actually in Australia at the end of this, yep. in the Outback. Uh, that's all there is to Australia, guys. The best guys. thing is that they were able to track um, Captain Boomerang to the Outback because uh, he was spotted at the Sydney airport. <laughs> With, it's a really small country, guys. Yeah. It would be really easy for, for you to find him. Um, uh, yeah, but this is like, I, I love the character of Captain Boomerang, and uh, we had great moments of him this week in, uh, in The Flash and also in Suicide Squad. Although, in the continuity of Suicide Squad right now, right now um, all the Suicide Squad are free, which is why we see Captain Boomerang in the, in the outback in mm. this issue. But also, Amanda Waller is dead. Oh. So, uh, I don't what? know, what, she's definitely alive in this issue of The Flash. How'd and, she die? What'd she die of? Uh, well, how about I talk about Suicide yeah, Squad t- t- right t- t- now? Suicide Issue 13 of Suicide Squad. So w- when this book started um, and um, old mate Jim Lee was doing the artwork on like 12 pages of each issue and they had some weird backup um, for every issue, backup story, I thought it was uh, annoying. But now both stories, so it's like a main story in this one which is drawn by um, John Romita Jr. Um, doing Ooh. some like career low art, I think. Oh. <laughs> um, and then... Uh, we get a backup, which is drawn by Eddie Barris, which I really, really like. But they're both two stories that have to do with the main... They basically continue... The, the, like, the backup continues the uh, the story from the main 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 part of the comic. And so we have two crazy cliffhangers in issue now. Oh, um, awesome. And, uh, That's what you want. Without Maximum. spoiling too much, um, uh, the, the first, um, the first cl- cliffhanger is all of them... Uh, is all of them like escaping? All the Suicide Squad are free free now, um, and Deadshot may or may not be the killer of Amanda Waller. Oh! Uh, and then at the end, we see that uh, Captain Boomerang is uh, also a killer. I mean, who knew? Uh, so, like, yeah, two two dudes killing girls in this in, in this issue of Suicide Squad, or have they? Because <laughs> I reckon it's going to be a big old twist. Who would have thought? Um, I like this book. <laughs> <laughs> it full on uh, just just. Switch me from hating it to loving it. That's amazing. That's what the, you want. It's one of the first books I read every time it comes out. Um, one that I wanted to mention quickly because I sort of I usually give it a pretty like yeah it's just still good it's still the same. But this week's um, issue of Gotham Academy was excellent. This was such a good issue. This builds on stuff that we've been waiting to sort of discover for a really really long time. There was a really like um, genuinely shocking switch out where we you realize that a, a character who has existed in the last story arc has actually just existed in the mind of our lead character and that she is um, struggling more than we thought with the sort of demons who have been passed down to her from her mom and we see her sort of crack. And it was um, like this builds on stuff that's been going on in Gotham Academy since the very, very beginning. We're finally starting to see some of this stuff like um, come to fruition and it was really, really brilliantly done really well done for like long time readers of this was incredibly satisfying and i'm really keen to see where it goes from here awesome how yeah. is, do we know how much longer this second academy run is going to second semester run is going to run for i don't know i would assume it's going to be at least 12 issues mm-hmm. um but like this is a book that could 12 really, months 12 issues makes sense makes sense um but could, it's just a book that could go on forever really cool it's good good concept you also read batgirl and the birds of prey a book that i, I did. dropped should i regret that decision Look, I still like this. And no. This is, <laughs> and this is pretty fun because this is um, Nightwing. Nightwing shows up. Everyone's ex-boyfriend Nightwing because <laughs> in this universe, <laughs> both Huntress and Batgirl are ex-girlfriends. And there's a nice moment where they're like, does he expect us to like 
be mad at each other over this and they're like nah we both just have great taste in men all right girl <laughs> love you um that was pretty great um and it's sort of they're going up against a cool shapeshifter villain and there's still mysteries about this oracle dude and i really like the art and i think it's very good um yeah i thought this was good cool and it ends with um black canary going off on her own to join a underground metahuman fighting ring which is pretty sick okay Sounds pretty sick. Yeah, it was pretty sick. Are you still reading New Superman? I am. By um, the guy whose first names I can never remember. Gene Luen Yang. Those are the ones. Um, um, and uh, that Ivan Bogdanovich. I remember his name. All the I time. really like the art in this. This yeah, guy, um, in this issue, we see Lex Luthor show up again, which is always good fun. Um, and I think he draws like a really good, really like character driven Lex Luthor like it's a sort of he's got a very like animated face almost which I really liked Um, and it continues on the like haha Lex Luthor speaks really bad Mandarin but then in the end it's like the crazy reveal actually I speak great Mandarin (laughs) it's just a good business trick Um, but so this is Lex Luthor recruiting the new Superman Keenan Kong to come and do some like to come and open a doorway to hell for him, basically. In Metropolis. In Metropolis. So we finally see this uh, the Chinese Superman head to America, and um, it looks like the next issue is going to see him clash with uh, the American Superman. And also, like, there's a couple of things in this which I really like to build out this universe. A, I like um, the continued existence of Keenan's sort of mentor character who's teaching him to use his chi. And it kind of goes like, you shouldn't accept this offer from Lex because it's a shortcut and we both know that that's not how these things work. But Keenan is headstrong and stupid, so he still does. Um, mm. Also, He wants to avenge his mother's death. So yes. I mean, really, I mean that's fair. That's fair, I guess. I guess. Um, also, Chubby Batman, one of my all-time, all-time new favorite characters, um, has made himself a Robin bot, right. which is adorable and very cool, and I like that a lot. Um, and we also see who is clearly going to become um, the Flash of this uh, Chinese Justice League, who is like a cool, spunky Chinese American girl. Yeah, um, she's a speedster. And we see the rest of her team kind of show up, and I really enjoyed this. I thought I thought this was like an incredibly solid issue. Yeah, this is a really fun and crazy series. Yeah. And those are two things that I like in a comic. I like fun and crazy. Uh, you know what's fun and crazy, Siobhan? Justice League, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers by DC and Boom. Issue three of six by Tom Taylor and um, art by somebody burn. Oh, is Tom Taylor writing this? Yeah. Uh, and uh, a, lot of this issue, a lot of this issue takes place in Melbourne. So how about wow. that? Is that uh, actually going to be... Is, like, it would be an actual... Accurate portrayal of an Australian city. I mean, by somewhat. It's an all, whenever it's dude. like, oh no, they're in Melbourne, and you just see like Spencer Street Station in the, in the background. Yeah. In the background. <laughs> um, uh, didn't the bulk of the Power Rangers movie that came out in the late nineties uh, wasn't that shot in Sydney? I think so. I don't know. Um, but uh, look, this is a very fun and silly series combining Justice League and Power Rangers. Um, it, it's but it wears its silliness on its sleeve, and you have like just like brilliant moments where like you know you have batman saying all right everyone get on the pink mastodon and like stupid stuff like that <laughs> that is kind of fun um, and i think tom taylor's like the right kind of person to to do that sort yeah, of book because he he understands and embraces the silliness of it um so yeah like it's not you're not going to get any level of depth from it things are just kind of taken like yeah like oh now we're going to do this because that's what we're going to go do let's punch a hole in the earth hooray um but uh, it's funny. It's really, you know, it's lighthearted. And, and at the end of the day, it's fun, which is exactly what these kind of books should be. Absolutely. If the, if the coming together of Power Rangers and Justice League isn't fun, what's the goddamn point, everybody? 
So what is the point of living? Absolutely. So those are our DC books. No, for the wait, week. hang on. I have way more DC books. Really? Yeah. Okay. Right. I also read Justice League of America, <laughs> issue two. Was this fun? No, it wasn't. <laughs> What's the point of living? Exactly. Um, it was just like the. I'm probably going to read the next issue because the setup for the next issue feels almost like. Not at all, but almost a little bit Justice League internationally. Uh-huh. Like, not in any kind of like, this is a fun, funny book way. But in a, it looks like they're going to start dealing with kind of international issues. Like they're going up against the the sort of ultra boring, evil alternate universe superheroes who have been the villains of the last two issues are now being protected by some state and they're like oh we're gonna create wait this is gonna be the best state ever and it's either like eastern european or you know like it's sort of foreign in some kind of um, vague way um but like that's almost that's almost compelling if they're now going to be doing more that kind of espionage justice league international almost compelling is all siobhan needs it's all i need guys um so i might give it one more issue but we'll see. Um, I also read Supergirl, which I'm pretty much only reading because I want to see what happens with Saturn Girl. Um, Has she shown up in this yet? No. This is, but this is a mini, this is a series. Is called, it almost compelling? This story arc is called Werewolves of Krypton, which uh-huh. is actually great. Uh-huh. Yeah. Werewolves of Krypton. I don't know what that reference is, but it's good. You don't know Werewolves of London? No. All right. Don't worry about it. Um, great song, everybody. Right. But thanks for listening. <laughs> But so this is sort of like um, Supergirl goes inside the mind and memories of some guy who's a Kryptonian werewolf and just getting him to learn how to deal with his powers, etc. It was a pretty okay issue. Great. Um, I also read Mother Panic issue four from DC's Young Animal, written by Jody Hauser. Um, this has art by uh, Tommy Lee Sean Edwards? Crystal. Oh, well, no, so feeling. taking over from Tommy Lee Edwards. And I actually think you probably should have read this issue because I will. This is a good one for explaining what the hell's been going on, and okay. I think that it's um, like Sean Crystal has a slightly more straightforward storytelling style. And Tommy so Edwards is bit, my favorite thing about the. It's a little bit clearer to read. Okay, all right. Um, oh wow, look at that art! It's nice. Yeah, it's real nice, and so we get to see a couple of moments of Violet sort of playing the the bored socialite on um, a sort of talk show. We find out a little bit more about her her family situation, her brother, and we see her kind of teaming up with someone who seemed like a threat but it turns out you know the sort of ends with like the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of deal so um i thought that was really compelling and the um gotham radio like the gotham radio backup story which is written by jim kruger with um art by phil hester is like it makes me feel like mid-90s gotham kind of vibes and i think it's really really good i think you should read it okay I, I like will. this book. I really like that book. I do too. I just, uh, for some whatever reason, I prioritize it. I never go like, oh, right, Mother Panic. Yeah. yeah let's see I what's going on in this world I don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move over to Marvel right now. Those were our DC reviews. These are our Marvel ones. And we're going to start with uh, the biggest kind of event end this week. Inhumans versus X-Men, issue six by uh, Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule. That's how he pronounce it in, in uh, the Serious Issues universe. Uh, oh, poor man. Pencils in this one by... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Anal Francis U and uh, inks by Jerry Alan Guilan. Perfect. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, this book certainly ended, right, Shinvon? It absolutely finished, and it ends. It ends with a dumping, which is pr- kind of funny. Who, who gets dumped? Was this in this? Comic? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You're right. Medusa dumps Johnny Storm to go and flirt with her oh, husband. Spoilers. Sorry, <laughs> but we Did all anyone, know was anyone invested in that we, relationship, <laughs> and we all know it was never going to work out. Come on, guys. She's a queen. He is Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm gets around, though. He really does. Who, he was married to her sister. Who gets more um, superhero women? Uh, Matt Murdock or Johnny Storm? I think probably Johnny Storm. Yeah, okay. All right. He's red hot know. in the bed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, everybody. Yeah, everyone. Everyone's, I'll, disappoint- I'll Everyone's disappointed in you. Werewolves of London again. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, this, I don't know, like this book was just a, like a, a mess. It was always, I mean, this book's always ended in this big, dumb, yeah. messy fight in which like someone is outed as the main bad villain and they just say what they were trying to do from the get-go and it's all so righteous and silly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, sometimes these are the reasons you read these books to begin with. But uh, Emma Frost is now the biggest bad mutant again. Again, and it looks like she's probably going to... Restart or rejoin the Hellfire Club, but wearing Cyclops' helmet. Cool. Oh, Not really? Cool. Yeah. I don't, yeah. <laughs> Not that cool. Not that cool. Um, so, yeah. Um, well done to everyone for making this series, which we loved every issue of. Uh, can't wait for Inhumans versus X-Men versus Avengers next year. But I really like, I really enjoy that the, like, the end of this book was basically like, oh, if you guys had just told us what the actual deal was then we wouldn't have had to fight you and the Inhumans were really reasonable about it and like, oh, if it's going to kill all of you, then yeah, that's fine. We'll just we'll just get rid of the Terrigen Clouds and, you know, get rid of this centuries-old legacy that we pass on to our children. And I was like, it's really decent of you, Inhumans. Um, Emma, Emma Frost ends this book looking like Judge Dredd. That is kind of cool. <laughs> um, she's but like she a sexy English bondage too, one. Right? She's English. She's yeah, British. she's English. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. That works. Um, I think they just like they've just kind of lost what Emma Frost is in this book. Like she's just kind of now this like self righteous like Scott was right about everything kind of character 
Um, and she's a bit like mad and annoying. And I just I I miss I miss good Emma Frost. Havoc was compelling. in this book too. I miss Havoc. I forgot that he's all yeah. fucked up now. After yeah, his, his face is all messed up, guys. Um, yeah, I forgot about that too. Uh, and um, what's also cool about this book um, is that there's no more green pea mist that uh, is the biggest threat to mutants. Phew. So that Terrigen cloud is gone forever, everybody. I was I was actually kind of hoping that it would like become a a, a, a character, <laughs> like a like it would just like a, like in the same way that the um what's the the simulation um, Cerebro became yeah, yeah, a yeah. Uh, became a character now mm-hmm. um like yeah it's just terror danger danger that's right um the danger room became a character everybody yeah. not Cerebro um we know what you mean uh but um yeah imagine if there was just like this just big green cloud man who was a, who was a, a bad guy or villain depending on how the story needed it that's basically like Galactus in. The Fantastic Four movie. That's right. <laughs> and everyone loved that. Everyone loved that. that and was also the perfect. main bad guy in um in the Green Lantern movie. Yeah. Everyone's just clouds when they can't <laughs> be bothered animating someone actually. Um I think that I'm I'm interested to see how this like ties in because now we've got in the Uncanny and Humans book Maximus the Mad trying to create Terrigen crystals. And so I think that like getting rid of the Terrigen mists and having Maximus the Mad in charge of Terrigen is really funny and really yeah, compelling definitely. and makes me like back on board with Inhumans. So yeah, uh, and then we get Inhumans Prime and X-Men Prime. Um, Inhumans Prime is written by Al Ewing and Ryan Sook and it looks like we're going to see a return Ooh, to like, I like that combo. the royalty of, uh, of Inhumans, which is what, what makes me enjoy those Christ. characters to begin with. Absolutely. Um, yeah, like we have Black Bolt front and center with a silly cape. Fun. Brilliant. Um, and then uh, X Men Prime is looks like it's going to be a. They, they, I mean, they're really got. There's like ten new X Men books coming out this year. Yeah, totally. So they're really going. They, they're kind of making making good on their promise to uh, that 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 you know none of this was like weird editorial decisions to be more in line with the movies, etc. Yeah, but this is like this is a core team. Like the X Men Prime team looks actually kind of good. It has two Wolverines. What more do looks, you want? Looks led by Kitty Pride. I love that. That works for sure. Um, who is the dude in between Kitty Pride? And in front of well, wait, wait, is Jean Grey pregnant? No, it's just no. Saying. It's just who's that dude in front of Jean Grey? I think it's um Forge. It's that no. guy whose name I always forget. That's his name. Who Simon something? Okay, cool. Used to date. Nobody let us know. Scarlet Witch. Because I don't actually care. Wait, Marvel? Wonder Man. Yeah. What is he a is he a mutant? No. No. Well, then I don't know who it is. <laughs> Um, Look, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Scott Rowe is uh, is looking. Scott Rowe, help us out. He's going to help us out. Um, Scott Rowe is one of the weird voices that lives in Siobhan's head. Uh, you're you're he's legion. Really good at boats. <laughs> Siobhan is legion, and all, legion. These, all these Thank all the king staff live in her head. Uh, yeah, I've n- none Scott, of us no have one, any clue no one who, knows that who is. it is. Give it to Jim. Okay, Jim, the most the most uh, reliable voice within Siobhan's head is going to have a. Crack. You know, we really need we really need the other Scott here because other Scott will. Like knows now everything. Now you sound actually crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no one in the office knows. <laughs> I feel like if you've stumped an entire like, is it? Oh yeah, it's just Young Beast. Oh, it's Young Beast. Oh, how boring. Oh. That's so boring. Nailed it. Well, well Thanks, done, Jim. Jim. Thanks for everything. Uh, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about good Marvel books. I really hey. loved issue four of Nova this week. Yes, great issue by Jeff Loveness and uh, Ramon Perez. Um, and uh, this kind of book was like a uh, basically both of the Novas, um, Sam and Richard, mm. go on dates. In that was book. adorable. I loved it so much. And so we see how each of their dates are different, but also the same at the same time. And um, it's really really sweet because Sam is. Uh, I feel like they've like de-aged him a little bit. He seems a lot younger than he does in. I know champions. But I was about to say I really 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 like that um, Ramon Perez does a good job of drawing a teenager looking like an actual like. A kid. Yes, agreed. You know, it's not just like a slightly smaller, sexy adult. No. It's like a 
a child a little no, bit. No, I would say that. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think, and I, and I loved how how just like saccharine and sweet their date is. Yeah, like, you know, they almost touch hands. That's yeah, like the highlight cute. of his date. And Whereas he, now we he know shaves that kids one are hair just, off his face, you know, and, st- and cuts his mouth between. Yeah. It. Um, and then we have and Richard saves Ryder. a homeless guy. It was really cute. Did you like the depiction of Gamora in this book? Yeah, I did. So this is quite in line with how she is in the. Uh, the, the books that I t- keep telling you to read whenever we bring up how much you don't like Gamora. Um, she seems boring to me. And I'm, <laughs> I refuse to read anything to um, dissuade myself of that. Um, so, yeah, in the um, fantastic run by Andy Lanning and Dan Abnett, um, Gamora and Richard Ryder were an item. And it was uh, quite a nice romance. So when Richard mm. Ryder uh, ends the end of that massive saga uh, trapped in the Cancerverse, it was quite a bummer. Um, but we know that he's returned from the Cancerverse with something fucked up inside him. Yeah. And uh, it looks to be like channeling a weird alien thing yeah. that may have something to do with the disappearance or something bad happening to Kaylin, who is Sam's little sister. Mm. Who uh, the, the front cover of the next issue has her kind of like sinking amidst a weird beast of Nova helmets. Yeah, pretty cool. Real cool stuff. I like this. And the art's so, so good. Yeah, I know. Of course it is. Roman Perez. Um, I love that he's also a co-writer of this. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I think that's a good level of respect that people like really should just be an equal creator. Agreed. Mark, I think a lot of the time. Great stuff, everybody. Great stuff. Great I also comics. loved the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, issue 18, uh, funnily enough. Because we uh, always do. Yeah, <laughs> issue 18 of this, uh, written by Ryan North, with art by Erica Henderson. You know and, what is um, the thing that, we I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but they don't get enough credit for doing? It's because it's so embarrassing most of the time when they put, like, Chirper or whatever in, um, in comics. Like Twitter references. Twitter yeah. references and things like that. But each... All of the like the the catch up page is just Twitter, yeah, and it's really funny and it's really well done, and they do a really good job of um, bringing those kinds of contemporary things into it without it feeling really cringy and weird. Yeah, it's I mean it's a combination of Ryan North and um, the editor Will Moss. Will Moss yeah. is Marvel's probably best editor when it comes to comedy stuff, mm. um, and uh, yeah, I just think yeah, I mean obviously we love. Any moment of Ryan Northism that comes out of any of his books is is, is a joy, and so that him him doing an entire page of tweets between the accounts of the now AI Tony Stark and Squirrel <laughs> Girl, of course, is going to be super fun. Yeah, give Ryan North an AI um, Tony Stark book. Um, so, I mean, this is a continuation of a story that uh, we didn't actually review the beginning of because I, I think it was one of the weeks where we just kind of did like number ones with a little check-in on Siobhan's Right, okay, picks. yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, in, in this issue, um, a friend from university that um, uh, Doreen has made uh, who's, who's kind of given her the ability of flight turns out to be evil and um, has made, like, chips to uh, so that she can communicate with uh, animals. And control them. Control them, basically. And uh, there's so many brilliant lines that just make you actually laugh out loud mm-hmm. if you're a fan. I know a lot of people aren't like necessarily fans of Ryan North's style of humor and writing. It's right up my goddamn alley. Absolutely. And it is like he does have an extremely distinctive voice that carries across to all the things that he writes, which is not like it's not a bad thing, but you just you just have to like his style. Yeah, it's very obviously it. a Ryan North book. Absolutely. When, when, when a bad guy says, after Squirrel Girl kicks a bad guy, he says, no, no, no. I only wanted the benefits of crime, not the consequences. <laughs> Um, I just I, I, I could I was going to say I could read like 100 pages of this and that's exactly what we did when they put out a graphic yeah. novel last year called Squirrel Girl Beats Up the Marvel Universe Jim did that did that sell well over at Kings over here? Really well Oh man the world is a happy place to hear that And man um, Erica Henderson is so flippin' good she is just blows me away with every single um, issue that comes out I can't believe the the 
the level of um, quality that she puts out on a monthly basis. Yeah, I think definitely. it's really incredible. Like the two pages of quick fire, like 16 panel conversations were so incredible and like so well done. And I just think she's, I think she's a treasure and a gem and she should be cradled softly. Yeah, I agree. By all of us. And like, you know, while it is every week, it's just a joy to kind of point out all the funny little, you know, aside jokes that either Ryan North or, or Erica Henderson uh, just kind of put in there for us to, to, laugh, to giggle mm-hmm. at. Like within this version of the Marvel Universe, there is a bar called Beer Itself. Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> uh, but also I think that this is one of the better stories to come out of this run too. Absolutely. Um, they're totally in line with the, this version of Squirrel Girl. I hope this comic never ends. Yeah, it's such a like, it's one of those really, like it's such a great comic that has a real knowledge of and affection for the Marvel Universe. So he, he like he can make silly jokes like that and it's yep. it, they work really well and Erica Henderson just sells every joke so so well. Yep. Just brilliant. Really yep. brilliant. Really great. You know what else is brilliant this week, Siobhan? What else? Power Man and Iron Fist, number 14 by Kevin Walker and Sanford Green, one of my favourite duos working in comics today. Yes, please. Another comic that I wish would go on forever and ever because they seem to be building on something so incredible, but unfortunately we know this is only has like this series only has like three issues left. Oh, Before gosh. goddamn Brian motherfucking Michael goddamn Bendis takes over and does a Defenders title. That's his him. full name. That That's is crazy. his full name. I called him up the other day and I was like, hey, bro, what's your full name? And he told me that was what it was. <laughs> Um, so this is, uh, just a brilliant, so like all of the, since the very beginning, and I didn't realize at the time, I thought it was just him kind of telling these like, you know, four issue story arcs, but they've been building up this massive concept of street magic. Mm. And I thought there was a throwaway line used in, in that first arc with, with Black Mariah kind of having this like weird street magic artifact that was helping her be extra powerful. And then Senor Magico, whatever yeah, his name yeah, yeah. is. <laughs> Which should be offensive, but it isn't. It's just so good. <laughs> um, but uh, like, I don't know. Is it, so basically Alex Wilder, who is uh, best known mm-hmm. from being a part of The Runaways, basically wants to become the most powerful street magician of all. Yeah. And going down that dark like, path. like close up card tricks, guys. No, like street magic is... Like uh, magic from the streets. That's right. But uh, he has like a demon that he's extracting the blood of to make a super addictive drug um, that, that kind of possesses your soul as you get addicted to the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's just a, there's such a great balance of supernatural stuff and like cameos from just like members of the Marvel Universe that really work within this world. Um, there's great... Great villain work done too. I really love this iteration Absolutely. of Tombstone, who's one of my favorite Marvel villains. Yeah, he's in this a lot. Yeah, um, and uh, I love that they call Alex Wild a Wild. Yeah, Alex Wilder a Wild. I think that's really great. Um, yeah, there's just so much cool shit going on in this, and uh, you know, it's 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 a real epic. There's so many pieces of this of this story coming together. Um, and it's such a good one because, like like so many of our favorite comics, it just plays on the fringes and the weird corners of a universe. So mm-hmm. this just takes advantage of like all the weird magic stuff in the um, Marvel universe, but without sort of relying on Doctor Strange. Instead, we get um, is it what's his name? Oh gosh, Senor Magico. No, the other one. Oh, Here we get go. Brother Voodoo. Brother yeah, Voodoo. Doctor Voodoo. Doctor Voodoo. Is it Brother Voodoo? Not according to this. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and then you know, at the heart of it, of course, is um, is the the friendship between Luke Cage and Danny Rand, which uh, hopefully will carry over to their TV show when it comes out in like a week. Yeah, that's soon. Yeah, very soon. Um, I can't wait to not really watch that and read comics <laughs> instead. Yay, my favorite. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, you mentioned Doctor Strange a second ago. Yes. So um, this is a book that I, I haven't dropped it. I just I'm very slow to read issues of it because uh, it's kind of been quite all over the place and yeah. has like. 
Isaac Newton as a main character and Merlin and all like real actual magic figures. But I like I really like the weird evil version of Sir Isaac Newton that I think Jonathan Hickman first introduced. Would I be correct on that? In Jim? the Shield, in the Shield, Shield comic, Maybe. everyone's nodding at me. Everyone's nodding. Everyone in my head is nodding at me, <laughs> so I'm right. Did you yes. ever watch Herman's Head? No, no, of course he didn't. You're like 18. I don't know what that is, but Scott Rao is giving it a thumbs up. <laughs> also, I'm not 18. Um, <laughs> I'm a grown woman. Um, so this is Doctor Strange and the Sorcerer's Supreme, which is a little Doctor Strange miniseries written by Robbie Thompson um, with art by Javier Rodriguez. And this, like, this is a beautiful comic normally. Like, I think um, Rodriguez's art is really, really great and really well matched to this. One of my favorite Marvel artists working today. And the, um, I like Robbie Thompson as well. Um, I think he's really good. Up and down on him. The colors from Geordie Belair are exceptional in this issue. And this is such a fun issue because it is just a straight up choose your own adventure comic. Which is something which we never get. No, we we, we got got it six months ago. Very (laughs) rarely. It was great. And I'd happily read another one. It is a great, great format of comics. Ryan North is great at um, Choose Your Own Adventure. You know, stuff. D- Dan Slot did an amazing Choose Your Own Adventure, Ren and Stimpy. Oh wow, that's so fa- cool! One of my first f- first comics I ever got. Ryan North um, has done a series of Choose Your Own Adventure, like Hamlet. That's right. Um, books which are like totally genius and so so fun. He's such a clever man. But this is a really, really brilliant, really, really fun Choose Your Own Adventure comic set with all of these magic characters. So we've got like a young angry version of the um, the ancient one. There's like all these different magic characters. We have an older version of Wiccan who's become the Sorcerer Supreme. And it's all sort of Doctor Strange trying to figure out how to save everyone. And I had a really enjoyable, like I probably spent about an hour reading this issue, which is like such great value for money for a single issue. Um, just flipping back and forward, trying to figure out the best way to to solve it and to get through it and to read all of the possible endings. And it's like set in this really trippy interdimensional, like perfect for Dr. Strange, perfect um, for the talents of Rodriguez and Belair. I think it's just like, like how beautiful is that? That's uh, out, of, in, out of control. How great it is. It's like, this is, if I don't know if how much longer this is going, oh, it says next showdown with the Avengers. Great. Um, but yeah, I feel like a real turd. Because I, I dropped off of the last issue, too. You are a real turd. <laughs> I feel like a real turd, everybody. A real life turd. Um, so I'll definitely pick this up on my way out of Kings tonight. Yeah, heaps fun. Really good fun. Really great issue. Great standalone issue. I feel like you could almost read that just on its own. I kind of, I would love, I love the idea of just collecting all the Choose Your Own Adventures comics. Yeah. Because they're all so much fun. Yeah. I love choosing fun. my own adventure, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck Maybe your we should adventure. do a Choose Your Own Adventure is- uh, episode of Serious Issues. <laughs> that sounds like so much work. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so let's uh, move over to Wolverine, all new yes. Wolverine issue eighteen, again by uh, Tom Taylor, uh, by Nick Varela, uh, which caps off um, this uh, great storyline in which uh, which began with um, basically exploring the, the trigger scent, which is used on Laura. Um, it's kind of like her biggest enemy is whenever mm. someone unleashes this trigger scent, it makes her go wild and she kills everybody. It's been used to great effect, but also it's kind of tiresome because it's you know no matter how good she can be. She reverts back to the worst version of herself, the murderous killer version mm. of herself as soon as she smells this hmm, green pea mist. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but uh, in this, like, she's basically, with the help of Jean Grey, overcome her desire to kill whenever she smells his scent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like a bunch of stuff happens with Gambit and she, they, she, uh, she <laughs> takes... A bunch of stuff happens with Gambit. I would read any comic <laughs> that had that as a synopsis. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I don't really care about the big bad of this. I really loved the reveal that um, at the start of this story, um, you know, she felt so bad because 30 people died after she hit Sam and smelt the trigger scent. Mm-hmm. But it's revealed in this that as soon as she 
realized she'd had the trigger scent, she clawed her own brain. Yeah. And and passed Straight out. Straight through her skull. And so someone else had to kill and, and make it look like she that like Wolverine did it. She's a really good guy. Yeah. And I also loved her putting on a Iron Man suit. I liked better when she busted fight. out of it. And yeah. so like, you know, that was probably an expensive piece of equipment. She just turned it into shreds. Yeah. <laughs> this was really good. Take that Iron Man. Um, yeah, this was this was a great issue, and it did end in her drowning someone in a quite horrific way. But it was like look that happens in a lot of Wolverine and books. fair, <laughs> and it was really good, and it was a good ending, and it ends with great character development for Laura. And I love the family that she's developed. Like she's still dating Angel, and she's got now two siblings, pretty much. Um, and she gets to go back and be reunited with her family because she's not a danger anymore. Yeah, trigger sense gone. I think it's really great. It's great growth for the character. Absolutely. Um, I love I love her as Wolverine. I love Laura as Wolverine. I want it to stay around forever. Yeah, I also just love Laura, and also she was like absolutely. You know, She's, we're now going to see a lot more of her in comics because she was so well received in uh, the Logan movie. Yeah, and pr- easily my favorite favorite part of that movie was her. She was very good in that. Incre- movie. Actor was incredible. Yeah. Um but uh, this this issue when it ended, I was like, oh shit, is at the end of the run? But it's not. There's, it's there's not. A, she's got a new look in issue nineteen. Everybody, she looks like X Force on sale in April. She, she looks like all of X Force in one. <laughs> uh, so Wolverine was good this week, and uh, you know what else? Kingpin was great this Kingpin week. Kingpin was also very good. The only thing I don't like about this book is the art. I'm not crazy. It's not bad. It's not crazy me, about it. It reminds me of um, who's that really dirty old man? Um, <laughs> Literally, Satellite Sam. Oh, Howard Chaikin. Don't you think? Other? Don't you think the faces have a certain Howard Chaikin? No, chubbiness. Chubby, chubbiness. <laughs> yeah, but his faces are so emotive. Yeah. These these guys. I don't know. This is weird. Um, I really like that. Ben Torres, art. the artist on this one. Um, I just, Good I, use of shadows and blacks. But also bad use of enormous kingpin hands. <laughs> um, written by Matt hands Rosenberg. I love how restrained this comic is. Like, mm. you know, the the fact that kingpin, when we saw him in the Daredevil show, was such a force of nature. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it was those massive violent outbursts. That, <laughs> there that were some pretty bad hands. That was, uh, yeah, I'm telling you. Um, the like you know the, the, his massive violent outbursts were one thing that you could take away from that series it's like okay cool this is what the the Kingpin series is going to be all about but instead they went like oh well actually the best part of that entire series is how great the portrayal of Daredevil when he's not being violent is and how he mm. he wants the same thing that Matt Matt Murdock wants he just is trying to get it in a much more different way yeah. you know he's a necessary evil to take the worse evils out that's what he truly believes but and- he genuinely believes that you know as we all know listeners evil only begets more evil mm-hmm. so he's just going about things he's just the wrong fire way with fire it's going the wrong way um and uh i just like i loved how restrained this is like we only see like we see kingpin like you know like shove uh tombstone into a table of canapes <laughs> that's like that's the most violent thing that happens in this issue uh it's just a, it's a really great character study i really love the the, the character of this reporter yeah um and i love that you just you're still even after two issues of him doing these seemingly good things in front of her you still think it might all just be a setup so she only sees a good side of him i mean it definitely is yeah well there you go <laughs> might not be he's a bad guy and we get to see um we get a little appearance uh, of daredevil at the end of this issue i was so like oh man cool. fuck off daredevil you're just gonna ruin everything. I kind of want a Kingpin book without Daredevil in it because Daredevil's gonna like you know just poke his nose in. Also, like you know, Daredevil busts into this reporter's like she's like we know she's she's poor, yeah, and he's just gonna bust in there and just knock all these things over. Like also, she doesn't like, need those hassles in her life, Matt. Yeah, and like heating is really expensive, and it's winter in New York, and he leaves the window open. That's really that's and, a really and he's cut jerk her power. move. It's a jerk move, Matt Murdock. Jesus. He is kind of a jerk. Though. He's a massive jerk. 
Um, okay, speaking of massive jerks, Brian Bendis <laughs> and uh, Matt- Michael Gaydox and Matt Hollingsworth on Jessica Jones. Um, they swindled us. They got us good. Uh, they, yeah. they, they have Jessica Jones playing the long con. I don't know if it necessarily worked. But they did, they did the same reveal, like the same sort of... Oh, you thought this was what she was doing, but actually she was this all the time, like twice in the same issue. And I find that annoying. And they've done it like three times in this comic. And just like, just shut up, Bendis. The bit I, one thing I really did like is the, it starts with a little flashback to when she meets, um, when, you know, Jessica Jones starting off as Jewel meets um, Ms. Marvel, Ms. Marvel no, for no, the no, first Captain time. Marvel. Classic costume. I actually really like that costume. I know she's got a silly belly window, but I like it. Um, but it's <laughs> fighting Dr. Octopus, and then we just come in halfway through the battle, and she's going, it's because you have no dick, which is pretty funny. <laughs> Super good. Um, ben is always a much better Carol um, in this than he did in all of Civil War Two. Yeah, totally. But it's still not that great. But uh, yeah, um, what, what I find really problematic about this book, though, is that you know, in order to, to go undercover, um, she's basically almost ended her relationship with Luke Cage and in a uh, way that's like completely unnecessary. Yes. Agreed. And like, you know, she had to go full undercover, which meant not talking to her husband or revealing because they, they, they needed him to break down. But I feel like Luke Cage is good enough for an actor to just do a breakdown for, for everybody anyway. Yeah, totally. Um, so look, I, I, I don't know what the ramifications this story is going to have on uh, my beloved Luke Cage. Um, they've kind of made references to it in, in, in books outside of this. I think in the Power Man and Iron Fist referenced it. Mm. Um, but, you know, where, how do you come back from basically kidnapping your daughter and hiding her at your estranged mum's place Yeah, um, from your husband and without silly. any explanation? I don't know. I, 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 if, if he's able to, to, you know, pull the rug under us again and do another, whoops, swindled you. Oh, it's crazy again. Because um, everyone will know that actually uh, it's it's Brian motherfucking goddamn Michael Swindley Bendis. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, that is issue six of Jessica Jones. Uh, last small book that I read, I'm sure I read, Siobhan I read, read a bunch more. Uh, Captain America number 13 by Nick Spencer with um, art by... Uh, Roy Stein and Ted Brandt with colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. The best thing about this comic is the totally incredible Art Adams cover. Yeah, God, that cover. God, is I so love good. Art Adams. And it's like the original, um, de- uh, not Defenders. Um, what was that that crew's name? Was Invaders. Defenders. Invaders. That's the one. Um, that's a weird name. You're for right. A I said team. Like, oh boy. <laughs> Doesn't sound good. Um, but you've got yeah, Namor, Bucky, Cap, and the original Human Torch. Oh, two Human Torch. So it's the Human Torch, and then like Torchy or something. Tor. Yeah, his his sidekick. Toro. Was it Toro? Yeah, th- thanks for voice in Siobhan's head. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the actual this actual story is nowhere near as great as the um, cover is. It's basically about, um, uh, what's his name with the fucking hood on his head? What's his name? Uh, Baron, Baron Zemo. <laughs> reforming the Masters of Evil. Yeah. Um, and this is almost like a setup to get everybody to read um, Thunderbolts, I guess, which is kind of going on alongside these two Captain America books and setting up Secret Empire. Yeah. I'm really over Secret Empire and it hasn't even started yet. And uh, this book is doing nothing to help that. Yeah, I do already feel slightly overwhelmed by it. Um, and I wish I wish that they were able to tell this story just in the one comic and have it be a bit more efficient because I think that would work heaps better and it would manage to still be compelling. As it is, we're getting like an issue of Captain America sometimes once a week, but every two weeks at least. And it, like this felt just to like filler. Like there was two, like there were so many pages of just here are all of the villains individually that he's going to get to yeah. be in his new Masters of Evil. But he's got this one guy who, um, there was the Pleasant Hill event, which kicked off this whole big uh, shebang off. Nick Spencer wrote this big event for Marvel last year, um, in which all of the 
uh, bad guys had their kind of lives rewritten so they thought they were regular ass people living in this regular ass town of Pleasant Hill um, and uh, there's one person who was never turned back into the villain that he or she was and their name is Bob and we don't know who it is if you've got any guesses as to who it is I'm guessing it's the Sentry what a oh. weird little twist that would be huh, that we? would be a weird twist was he in Pleasant Hill? no well, that would be a weird twist then. I just I know it's going to be someone that we haven't seen in Marvel in a long while. It's got to be someone semi-impressive. Is and the like, Sentry alive? I don't know. Is, is, anyone is he Bob? Does Maybe. anyone care? Oh, wow. Ah, well, there you go. Sentry's, Sentry's name, name is Robert. Robert. Okay, cool. I reckon it's Sentry. All right. Um, Jim, who... Uh, who look, he's, he, his track record isn't that good. He thought uh, Clark Kent was Martian Manhunter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I reckon this could be the century. Mm, could be. Who cares? Not me, but kind of. Okay. <laughs> um, what else did you read from Marvel? Um, I read issue six of Mosaic with, um, with an amazing cover again. Such a good cover by Mike Del Mundo. Um, this is written by Jeffrey Thorne with art by Bruno Oliveira. Oliveira. Um, so this is the. This is like what if Jericho played NBA basketball. Jericho from the Teen Titans. Um, so he's an inhuman whose power is that he can jump into people's bodies and then use their, um, you know, he gains a little bit of their knowledge and a little bit of their memories, but it sort of disappears after a little while. And at the moment, he doesn't actually have a solid form. Um, so this is him kind of now teaming up more with the inhumans, which kind of goes against him when he <laughs> um, he goes into Lockjaw's body and is like, well, I really can't control my thoughts when I'm just a big dog. And ends up teleporting <laughs> everywhere. And it was pretty great. And then Johnny Storm, who when he's like flamed flamed on or whatever can actually see him in his sort of incorporeal form um brings him to the inhuman sort of royal family and is like look at this guy isn't that crazy and everyone's like we can't see him um (laughs) but then it turns out if you just really focus like you're using your powers you can see him anyway i still like this comic i still like this character he's one of those ones that like i i think this book has already been cancelled i could be wrong but i hope he's a character that still sticks around because i think like a uh, characters who can jump into other people's bodies are always a fun part of a team. I think that he's got a compelling backstory. I like him as a character. Um, it really frustrates me because uh, some of the time, you know, you get the you get people saying things like, you know, Marvel are just paying lip service to diversity by putting diverse characters in, and they're not they're not really like they don't mean it because they're not really trying with these characters. And I don't I I don't understand what people mean by that because Marvel are not going to put money and time behind a character that they don't believe in, mm. and they're not going to put like good creative talent on a book that they don't believe in. This book hasn't been selling that well, but I think people haven't really given it a go. I think that um, you can't expect a character to have sev- like you know seventy five years worth of character development and history in their first flipping story I, yeah, arc. I will say that I think they fucked up by making him an in- inhuman at a time where that yes. was the last thing anybody wanted. Yeah. Um, but I think I think they've done a pretty good job of, um, like this does a good job of incorporating him into the inhuman family in a non-irritating way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of, it, this is kind of annoying because it's mistimed because he had a part in like the, you know, remember when they thought that the Inhumans had blown up Stark Tower. Yeah. Like, that happens in this. So it's really, like, the timing on this is really, really poorly done. Um, But I like this character, and I want him to continue, and I want to see more of him in the Marvel Universe. Cool. That's my two cents. Um, And I also read Dr. Aphra issue five, which has great character development, fucking amazing art by our favourite Kev Walker. 
and I yeah, this, enjoyed it. I'm going to read this. I, I just, I, I knew uh, sometimes when it comes to like, the, you know, we get we get way too close to when we actually have to hit record. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I can read this, which I've never even heard of before, or I can read this book like Dr. Afro, which I know is just going to be solid and we won't really say anything new that we haven't said about this book before um, in our review. Unless you've got some incredible little tidbit you want to add but that's no it's just I, really I still good. love this book I, yeah. I haven't haven't not read it because i didn't dislike it is what i'm trying to say it's great because like the the sort of father-daughter team up is really excellent because we we get great sort of um development between their relationship as well as learning more about dr afra herself um she is double crossed fairly hilariously in this by um her supposed friends and there's some cool like jedi history stuff in this i think this is such a good book such a good addition to the to the um Marvel Star Wars universe. Yeah, and, and they just announced that Charles Soule is uh, <laughs> the next book he's doing is uh, is like the second kind of season of Darth Vader, except this is in between um, the uh, whatever the the third whatever the third Star Wars movie is, which is something I should definitely know. Every so everyone listening knows Revenge of the Sith. Sure, in between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope is what the uh, the, the the kind of that's what the Darth oh, okay. Vader comic is going to be. Now it's actually going back. Which oh, I don't think okay. is compelling at all. I don't care about that era. No. Um, they're exactly they're revealing uh, how he gets his lightsaber. I think Doctor Afra has just completely ruined any interest that I had in seeing stories from these characters where they're just filling in gaps. Yeah. Doctor Afra feels so new and fresh. It's this brand new character who doesn't exist in any form, other form of Star Wars media, mm-hmm. just doing whatever the fuck Kieran Gillen wants her to do. And, and I think making, it's way more compelling. Making good use of the Star Wars universe in yes. a way that doesn't impact anything else going on, um, but just sort of expands things a little bit and is really good fun. Yeah, I think this is exactly what a Star Wars book should do, not fill in the gaps. Agreed. But I get that, that you know that's what the fans want. Anyway, Stupid blah, fans. Blah. Those are our Marvel reviews, everybody. Now we're going to move on over to Image, I guess. Yeah, let's do Image. Uh, There's only a couple of Image books. Motocrush, number four by Brendan Fletcher. Um, this guy Stewart, Cameron Stewart, and Bab Star. I always forget one of their first names. Um, this one was probably my, my favorite issue of this series so far. Yeah, what a, a good issue that I started out kind of being dubious of. I mean, I'm just happy they haven't killed her dad yet or her father figure yet. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as soon as they do, I'm not, I'm going to stop reading. That's what? why. That's why because you know they're going to, and I just feel like it's you so don't lazy. You know that? Well, I mean, that's good. If if they don't, then I will just keep reading it forever. <laughs> that seems, um, seems like a really weird like way to go into reading a comic. Like I know they're going to do this, so I already hate it. Um, funny. You know, like you know, like a trope. Yeah, you, yeah. You get, that, no, I get that. The, it's like women the death of a parent. The death exactly. The death of a parent or girlfriend, like. Yeah. I, I guess less so parents, but like, I hate it when they just kill a parent off to make the character be motivated to like do Batman. something heroic. Yeah, like Batman, the worst character worst ever created. Ever. Um, and the only superhero whose parents are dead. <laughs> um, so yeah, this uh, this book gives a little bit of backstory as to how Motocrush was uh, adopted by her mm-hmm. father. Um, although she's still trying to find out the exact details as to where she came from. Who she is? Mm-hmm. Um, also, her name is Domino, not Motor Crush. But yes. What did I say? You said Motor Crush. Motor Crush. Mrs. Crush. Mrs. Crush. Um, and uh, we also see this new type of weird street drug, which is called Crush. That um, that you're meant to like. Basically, you kind of give your 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 motorbike drugs to yeah. make it perform f- like illegally faster. Yeah. Um, but except she- Domino. AKA yeah. Motor Crush can drink the drink this crush and and it looks like she needs it she needs it to survive it's what it's in her inhaler that's right um, but this new kind of one can make her like transcend space and time and turn into like an Alex Mackes puddle, puddle of gloop on the ground that's another comic that I would totally read an yeah. Alex Mack comic yeah that'd be great that'd be great 
Uh, I love this book. Goddamn, Babstar is such a like huge talent. Yeah, Babstar is the best thing about this book for sure. It's so beautiful, and I think this is like a really really fun concept. I love seeing like a little bit of the history of the character. This is another book that does a good job of kind of incorporating a kind of contemporary social media aspect, although this is slightly future set. Um, Without it being cringy and weird, mm-hmm. Babstar is so good at like, you know, making the characters look uh, like fashionable and real and all that kind of stuff. Everything's really stylish and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the relationship between Domino and her sort of ex girlfriend. Yep. Um, I love the relationship between her and her dad until he dies, and I stop reading. <laughs> Good book, everybody. It's really great. Good book. Great copy. Um, I also uh, take great joy, hate reading Green <laughs> Valley. Are you still reading this? No. <laughs> uh, this is the Max Landis book with um, great art by Giuseppe Camincoli uh, about like a, uh, a bunch of knights in a world where there's a guy from the future who has an iPad which can kill everybody. Um, if that sounds like it's up your alley. It's like, it's real silly and um, like, it's, like, it's not a good book, but I still really enjoy it. I, reading it, I think that's an okay thing to do. Mm. Very healthy and fine. Um, absolutely. I'm not going to give you an in-depth review. Like, I, I think the fact that I'm still reading it means that I definitely enjoy it more than I let on. Um, but I think it's still kind of trash. Mm. <laughs> so that's my review of Green, Green Valley issue number uh, six. Nice. It's almost finished. I think. Solid. So only two more issues of hate reading for me. So did you not? And then, read- I'm, then I'm only stuck with. I, I've got Planetoid uh. Praxis issue number two is on my on my next. Next, next to read on the way home from this episode. It's a good issue. Not important to anyone listening right now. Um, so. Really, really good issue. Continues, like jumps forward a little bit in time. Continues the world building um, of this universe. Introduces like some good headstrong teen characters, which I really like. Also really, really good fun is if you turn the book over, there is um, like two little mini comics. Awesome. I don't really understand if they're like, they're, they're definitely sci-fi. I don't really know if they're set within the kind of planetoid universe but one is like a one page one about like a weird drug and then um the other one is about a sort of beast and it's just a little like (laughs) awesome little three page um comic written and with art by ken Gehring, and it's so um has a really good little twist at the end and was really really good fun i potentially enjoyed it more than the rest of the issue. Yeah, right. Cool. <laughs> I'm looking forward to picking this one up. It's a good. It's, it's good. a good book. It's a good book. I really want to read the original Planetoid too. Yeah, same. Um, over to Dark Horse now for Lady Killer. Woo! So nice to have it back. And uh, a book who's um, with a character whose de- whose name is definitely what the ca- the book is uh, called. Yep. Her name is Lady Killer. Her right? name is Lady. In fact, Killer. all books the lead character is what the book is named. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Um, Lady Killer is uh, a book by written and uh, drawn by um, Joelle Jones. The colors by Michael Madsen. Uh, it's one of the most beautiful books. Uh, yeah, that comes good out God. Month, even though it's quite grisly. Um, it's about a uh, 1950s housewife who is also a, an, an axe murderer. Or like just a, an assassin, I guess. Yeah, she's an assassin. She does um, it. She does it for hire, not just for fun. The the sequence where she strangles a stripper is like phenomenally beautiful. <laughs> but also completely terrifying. Horrifying. And awful. Yeah. But so good. Oh uh, man, I love this comic. And that she has like a uh, kind of like a mentor figure, uh, someone who's been who I guess trained her in the first edition of Lady Killer, which I need to read. Mm, and I believe same. you are reading for the next Queens of Kings, is that right? Not for the next one, but the it's, next, it's next, on the next. list. It's on the list for 2017, guys. The next one we're doing Power Girl, which I am geeked for. Very fun. Um uh yeah, no, this is uh but Basically, yeah, there's, there's a lot more at stake now than it, this is kind of started out as like a kind of like funny, almost carefree murder comic. And now yeah. there's uh, like big ramifications happening from, from these different murders that have happened and uh, they're being tied to the character of Lady Killer. 
Mr. Lady Killer in particular. Yes. And poor poor Lady Killer's dog. Yeah. There's some truly beautiful panels in this. Like she, you know, of like a pin-up quality beauty, I think. Yeah, unbelievable. Like each panel is so beautifully framed um, and the inks are so, so gorgeous. And like every every face is unique and every facial expression is so well thought out. And oh, I just love it. I yep. love it, love it, love it. Real good stuff. Uh, doing other Dark Horse books this week. What else have you got there in your pile? You got a few more? Um, I've got a few more. Oh, should I, I miss have... Reggie and me? You sure did. I'm an idiot. Wait. I gotta read that one ASAP. Um, well, I read Reggie and Me. Yep. It was really good fun. We're Great. seeing, you know, because it's told from the um, perspective of his dog, Vader, we're sort of starting to see Vader slightly being like, is Reggie the bad guy? <laughs> <laughs> is Reggie not a good guy? And we find, like, this is, like, the best bit about this comic is we get so much moose time and it <laughs> is, time. like, adorable because Reggie... Favorite, my favorite Apple app. Moose time. Reggie goes over to Moose's house and Moose lives in like a tiny little house that's like way smaller than Reggie's um, with all of his siblings. He's like the oldest of five. So he gets home and he makes a snack for all of his siblings and then goes up to his room because he wants to be an artist. And so he's working on his paintings and that's why he wants to go to college so that he can be an artist. And he's drawn this like beautiful painting of Midge. He does all these paintings of... um of kittens. <laughs> great. That's amazing. <laughs> it's genuinely it's genuinely heartwarming and great and um I love this comic. Awesome. Really good. Um the reason I ha- I read uh, so little of these uh, last comics is uh, not because I spent my weekend playing Zelda. I haven't actually opened it since uh since Thursday everybody. So give me He's a He's counting break. down the days. Um I I I spent my uh, my weekend having a disgusting summer holiday up up up, up the coast at Nelson Bay on the oh. beach. Oh, I'm Real so life beach time. No Why was it disgusting? No, that sounds good, amazing. Because I wasn't playing Zelda. It was horrible. Oh, right. um, <laughs> but uh, I also chose to read The Comic Book History of Comics uh, by Fred Van Lente and um, Ryan Dunlavey. And uh, my decision to do this meant that uh, it took me... This takes me about the same time it takes me to read five comics just to read one issue. But I adore this comic. It's uh, it's like IDW doing quite quite a lot now. A re-release of a, a graphic novel, but in single issue format with colours. Mm, it was fun. originally a, bra- a black and white book. Um, I love that you can pick it up. It's it's basically it's a history of comics, which Siobhan would love so much, but for some reason is choosing not to read this. I've just read a lot of history of comics. This is so so good. I'm so, sure it is, it, and it ties in the weirdest things that you don't think are tie-inable. Um, so it like it it starts off with. Um, the creation of um, of Wonder Woman, and and then how that leads to the creation of the Comics Code and um, the like Tales from the Crypt kind of stuff leading to the Comics Code being brought in. Oh, that's heaps fun. Um, and then how that also ties into the creation of Mad Magazine because they they made Mad Magazine a, a magazine instead of a comic mm-hmm. because then they could escape the comic book code. And basically, all these like different practices, like the guy who brought in the comic book code was actually outside of bringing in the comic book code, which is the horrible thing that like you know basically meant that you couldn't depict crime and um, you know adult themes in comic books in the in the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Um, he's way more famous for doing all these great things, like mm. um, you know he, he was like very integral in proving that segregation was terrible in schools and stuff like that. But because of the massive impact he had in writing the the seduction of the innocent, mm-hmm. which is that his massive paper and book about how comics rotted children's minds. Mm. That's all he's known for. Yeah, oh, um, poor guy. Like you know, which you know, that's which a is bad legacy. It's, it's terrible that he did he did seduction of the innocent. But um, it, basically, we get a summation of that book in this in comic book form. Um, I do love the comics code story. One of my like 
ultimate prize possessions is a mug with Bill Gaines' face on it that says Bill Gaines was right. And <laughs> I love it. And Bill Gaines has some an amazing arc in this. I mm. learned so much about him as as a person. Um, and it's really fun. You know, it's really presentable and. Um, it, it's uh this is this is one of my favorite favorite comics every time it comes out even though it takes me like a, a solid hour to read it um it means I can't dedicate time to reading other comics that normally take me five minutes and uh, the history of like the history of because I I don't know like is this is it a fairly American focused no they they, they, del- they delve into manga they delve into oh, British cool. strips too so I don't know how, how many issues we can get out of this I could of course go and buy the entire black and white graphic novel but I enjoy reading. The history of comic book, the comic book history of comics in comic book form. Yeah, that's nice. Uh, so yeah, I really really like this one. This one this issue was called Fears and Horrors. Cool. And it was great. It also, kind of ties into the fears that parents have facing their children today. Like mm. you know how everyone's so afraid of the internet, it mirrors the way they were afraid of comics in mm. the in the fifties. So yeah, well, pretty the interesting is stuff. Evil. <laughs> All right, <laughs> good for you. <laughs> um, I read a couple more comics. I read um, issue two of. All new Michael Turner's Fathom, which is written by Blake Northcutt, with art by Michael, Marco Renner mm-hmm. um, on pencils and Mark Roslin on inks. The first issue of this Star was read and reviewed by myself and Mr. Sunday Movies a few weeks ago. What did you guys think of it? Um, we thought it was not great. I kind of like it. I know you did text me saying I didn't hate this. Um, I sort of thought it was like... I thought it was a good take on Fathom, who's not one of my favorite characters or anything like that, but it's interesting having a character that is fairly, like, exploitative being written by a woman. I thought that was, like, an interesting thing, and I sort of thought they made her quite likable and set up the universe in quite an interesting way. And I did enjoy this issue. There was a moment that made me, like, go, like, ah... I don't know why you put that in because it's like trying to be a meta commentary on comics as a whole. And because Fathom is known for her fairly like revealing outfits, <laughs> because she was made by Michael Turner, king of revealing outfits um, and tiny impossible waists. Um, and so there's a bit where they sort of confront that where she goes to a comic convention, which is always kind of annoying in a superhero comic. Um, and someone goes like, oh, we'd love to, you know, make a movie and a comic about you. You're like a real life superhero. That's so cool. But we'll have to change your outfit. And the guy goes, well, according to several bloggers, comic book readers are an extremely sensitive group. They prefer fully covered heroines who dress very conservatively. And it just seems like that's a really frustrating um, simplification and uh-huh. misinterpretation of what recently has maybe been happening in terms of like giving Spider Woman a jacket <laughs> and some <laughs> shit like that. And it, like, it's totally fine for Fathom to run around in like a swimsuit because she's an underwater character. And it's I don't even have a problem. Like I like Emma Frost and I like Power Girl with a stupid boob window. But it just like that kind of took me out of it and seemed like a really unnecessary. Um, moment of criticism of comic bloggers <laughs> in, in a weird way. Anyway, it's still fine. I still like it. It's a, it's a totally acceptable superhero comic. I could you know? not fathom to read another issue. Uh, ha, ha. <laughs> I'm a dad. Uh, you know, it's a really, like, a really exceptional comic. And if you have kids, I so highly recommend picking this up. Is um, Jim Henson's The Storyteller. This is consistently really good. It's always got a changing roster of um, writers and artists. This is an issue tale for... Um, this is issue four of the current series, um, Storyteller Giants. This is written by Fifi Ruan with like incredibly beautiful art, um, helped out slightly by Sunny Liu on a couple of um, couple of panels and a couple of areas. But like this is a story about a fisherman 
finds a talking fish, discovers that all of the fish have been turned were originally humans who were turned like traditional Japanese, like yeah. wood art. That's yeah, amazing. It is exceptionally beautiful. Um and the fish were all originally humans who were turned into fish by a giant who decided that he hated all humans after his wife left him for another man and was like, humans will never break my heart again. I'm turning you all <laughs> to fish. Um, and, like, it, this is such a beautiful comic to look at. Like, it's really an incredible piece of work, um, and I think it's totally brilliant, and I think everyone should read it. Awesome. Definitely pick it up. And I also read issue three of Sherlock the Blind Banker, which is the manga version of... Um, the Sherlock TV series, which is adapted by Jay, a manga creator. This just continues to be excellent, really just, good fun. Yeah, uh, so I ruined the magic for me. When I read the first um, uh, Sherlock Holmes manga, I had not watched Sherlock before. Mm. Um, and I loved the manga so much that I've now watched Sherlock. And so reading this now, I, I really didn't like the second episode of Sherlock. <laughs> and I hate having to revisit it. Even though the manga is considerably better than the show. The manga so is much... It. like, And this wasn't Am a Am I good... an idiot for dropping it? Oh, look, this isn't the best story mm. of the Sherlock TV series. So I think you'd be okay with like skipping and like waiting until the next the next series starts. Um, so oh, is series two way better than series one? I remember it being. It's been a while since I've watched Sherlock. I enjoyed Sherlock. Okay, cool. Um, but this was definitely like not the best episode. Um, I found Moriarty, I the reveal of Moriarty in season one, so annoying. I don't even remember that. We're in like it's a public so pool and there's like these like weird set fake out moments. It's really, really weird. Oh, yeah, that was it's weird. like played for comedy and it's not really very funny. Anyway, really good. I'm actually looking forward to seeing that in the manga because that was so strange. Yeah. yeah. I really love the dude who played Moriarty in the no, show. No, he was well. excellent. Totally. But it was just, it's so goofy. Anyway. Um, those the last reviews. thing, sorry, the last thing I did read, and I didn't, Damn I didn't Java. get through it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was um, going to start this just so I could give a tokenistic. Me too. Yeah, but it's really, it's really thick. But so far, it's extremely interesting. Is Itchy F Workers graphic memoir of Fukushima? Um, I thought that this was going to be more about like what happened before the blast, but this is actually about the people who go, who live locally, and go and work every day in cleaning up um, yeah. the the you know irradiated remains of in fact, Fukushima. They make a point of saying this is not that story. This is yeah. not the story of of, of the of the um you know the, the the meltdown itself. Yeah, and there's actually a very interesting little like piece of uh, like little essay at the beginning where they sort of so like um like there's been quite a lot of criticism of the book because he's quite a sort of compliant worker and there've been a lot of criticisms of the company who do this and it doesn't really go into that sort of stuff. But um the art's really lovely and it's a very detailed personal experience of working at this um working at this plant and people who really do risk their lives every day to sort of clean up and it is very very good cool look forward to uh reading all of this it looks great like the art was fantastic and it's fun reading a big chunky manga it really is um does that make you feel good to hear me say that it does (laughs) (laughs) um so those are all our reviews for the week um coming out this week are a few books that we're very excited about we're mostly excited about the return of one of our top three comics of last year um headlopper is coming back if you love um beautifully drawn and colored uh viking comics or cartoons really they're extremely cartoony if you like Um, heads being lopped that's right that's kind of all you need to know um, you should definitely check it out. I, I imagine this is, it's like as a fun enough that I feel like if you haven't read the first um, series, which you definitely pick up the trade, it's incredible Absolutely. value. You get the, the, these four uh, like massive um, bulky issues plus a bunch of backup material in the, in the first trade. But I, I reckon, I'm sure there's going to be a good jumping on point even if you haven't. Absolutely. And it's such a like, it's such a, this is, you know, in Australian dollars, this works out at 10.95. I'm not quite sure what that is in US dollars, but it is genuinely it like worth it. Because it's like, um, it's a quarterly book it only comes out 
once a quarter and there's no ads and it's beautifully presented and it's a totally brilliant comic and you should and all read it. The last uh, series had lots of incredible artists um, doing variants like Mike yeah. Ored and um, other people whose names escape me right now. Mm. But uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing who they're working with this year, this time. It's Absolutely. written by Andrew Mick something. Oh gosh, I forget. <laughs> it's written by Young Beast. <laughs> um, we also uh, get a new uh, Boombox series. I really enjoy all the Boombox all yep. ages series. This one is called Cody and the Creepies, and it's a punk rock, punk rock cool. comic for kids. Sounds real cool. good fun. I'm really excited also to see the return of um, Mirror, which was one of the comics that was kind of originally um, developed under the Eight House umbrella, um, sort of controlled by Brandon Graham at Image. But now the Eight House project didn't really work out, I don't think. So now this is just existing separately. This was one of my favorite. Um, this is such a brilliant book, guys. Tra- track down the graphic novel because it is um, this beautiful kind of religion fantasy sci-fi book i don't know how else to explain it because it's completely <laughs> unique and this is um written by emma rios with who um is the artist on pretty deadly with art by hui lim who's a um so this is like it's a really interesting book because he's a i think singaporean artist and she is a spanish writer and so you get it's a very very interesting book that um comes out at the end of that so i'm really geeked to see that speaking return. of uh, emma rios and brennan graham we get a new issue of the island woo Oh, just Island, sorry. Such um, a good cover. Their anthology together. Um, we also get the first issue of Neil Gaiman's American Gods Shadows. Mm. Over at Dark Horse. Love that book. Read a little preview of the um, first issue and it was good. Uh, we get the finale of Ta-Nehisi Coates and Roxanne Gay's uh, Black Panther World of Wakanda. Um, so it's exciting to see where that where that ends up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batwoman number one starts properly after the rebirth issue, which should be great. great. Uh, and we get the second issue of Super Sons. Which oh, I'm sick. Very, awesome. very excited for. Man, good so, week. Lots of good stuff coming out next week. There's a whole bunch of stuff we didn't mention. Um, let us know what you're picking up. Send us an email to seriousissues at kingscomics.com or even better, add us on Facebook, facebook.com slash seriousissuespodcast or join our group. Serious issue, wait, what is it? Facebook.com slash serious, wait, slash groups slash seriousissuespodcast. Mm-hmm. It's a goddamn mouthful, everybody. A goddamn mouthful but it's worth every it. single week. <laughs> uh, you can find me online at levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And Siobhan is Siobhan. S-O-I-S-I-O-B-H-A-N. Nailed it. CBG. CBG. At, no, just at. At yeah. that. At that. <laughs> On Twitter and Instagram. Uh, listen to my other podcast, Hey Fam and The Mitchin, which has just made a big return. If you would like to hear Woo! me talk about food all the time with a Sydney chef called Mitch Orr, uh, we have a new format and it's uh, recorded properly. We're doing some video stuff. I used to live with Mitch. <laughs> you did? Wow. Crossover. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, He's um, very tidy. Lots more uh, opportunities for you to hear my voice throughout the week. Uh, you also have an opportunity to see Siobhan and I talking about Iron Fist. Uh, yeah. We did some adverts that are coming out, I think, at the end of this week. So we'll We tricked you all. We said it was going to be Serious Issues TV, but actually we're just corporate shills. <laughs> I feel like anyone who truly knows us could have guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Uh, yeah, that'd be nice. <laughs> Look forward to it. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't realize I was expected to <laughs> contribute. Yeah, you've, got, you've got a, a catchphrase and everything that I said I'd never make you say again. Yeah, exactly. Stay serious, everybody. Hi, guys. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.